Live from North Carolina and Ontario, Canada, it's Got Mead Live, a show where you can meet all sorts of people that impact mead making, including beekeepers, honey specialists, and people who turned a hobby into a business. It's always a party here at Got Mead Live with your host, me, Vicki Rowe, owner of GotMead.com, and AJ Ermans, longtime mead maker, winemaker, beer brewer, and the girl just makes everything an all-around bad example. She's also keeper of the Toothless Rabbit. Um, tonight, we have with us uh, White Winter Winery, John Hamilton, and his lovely wife, Kim, our co-owners. John will be on with us tonight. And we are also launching a new segment tonight. Um, AJ is going to be chairing this new segment, and it's basically going to be making good mead back to basics and this is not uh, necessarily a show for beginning mead makers though it is it's more of a show where you can go back and really take a look at what are you doing is it all working what can you change and improve and you know just kind of mead from the ground up so AJ's going to be uh, talking about that she's been working on that stuff uh, on the stuff for that for a little while and um, we're going to have a lot of fun tonight because we've got uh, Manny Algaresta with us, who's Manny on the forums, and also Ryan Carlson, Squatchy on the forums, and they're going to be joining us during that segment so that we can uh, get some real conversation going. So feel free to call in. Our call-in line uh, is 803-443-6323. That's 803-443-6323. So, uh, you know, join us in the conversation. If you've got questions about mead making or just want to chat, that's great. Uh, We'd love to hear from you. So, um, listen, uh, for the show, you can uh, listen live on the Got Mead website. So if you go to gotmead.com and click on Got Mead Live, that'll take you to the main page. There is a player there that will play live when we're live and play our most recent show when we're not. Um, if you're uh, mobile, you can listen to the recording on iTunes, SoundCloud, TuneIn, um, and uh, a couple of other places that escape me at the moment. And, of course, we broadcast via Spreaker at Spreaker.com. Just search Got Mead. Um, so take us with you. You can download, obviously, if you know you have an iPhone, you've already got iTunes. But you can also download apps for SoundCloud or TuneIn to your Android and iOS devices to take us with you. Replays are going to be available on Got Meat, Spreaker, SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, all those places. Uh, Facebook, you can find us at uh, Facebook slash Got Mead, and there's also a Got Mead group. Also on Twitter, at Got Mead Now. If you can't call and want to participate, feel free to tweet us at Got Mead Now. And uh, so you want to make mead, which is the, well... Basically, mead from the ground up is kind of taking, for the moment, uh, the place of Ask Oscar. Oscar has got a lot of real-life things happening, so he's really busy and can't be joining us a lot. He'll be coming in from time to time. So AJ is taking over that part of the show. And i got to finish updating all the links on the site. But in the meantime, just go to the Ask Oscar page and send us any questions you might have, and I'll see that AJ gets them. Um... If you like what you're hearing, support Got Mead. Become a supporting patron member. It's only $25 a year. And you get access to so much more, uh, mainly on the forums on Got Mead. So you're going to get access to advanced mead-making discussions, award-winning recipes, and patron-only access to some seriously excellent mead makers. So go to gotmead.com forum. 
and click on the patron link and join us in the patron area. We'd love to have you there. So, um, what are we drinking anyway? Um, I finally came up with something to drink tonight. I got my <laughs> raspberry wine. Yes, yes, it's always a mad scramble on Tuesdays. I know. Yeah, same here. It's like, <gasps> I was a quarter to, I was at like a quarter to us getting on to do our pre-show stuff and suddenly realized I'd forgotten to eat. <laughs> <laughs> My husband's like, aren't you going to eat something? It's like, mm, yeah, I suppose I probably should. Oh, yeah, um, that. Yeah, yeah, that. So um, I am drinking the last half of my bottle of St. Ambrose Meadery uh, Rasmataz Raspberry Mel. So apparently great minds think alike. It's a raspberry day. It's a raspberry day, yeah. So shout out to St. Ambrose Meadery, which is only about 30 miles from where I grew up in the Benzie area of Michigan. And dudes, I will totally be stopping in to see you when I come home this summer. So... <laughs> um, our guest tonight, as I said, is White Winter Winery, and uh, we're going to be getting them on here in just a few minutes. Um, gosh, I'm like moving through shit further and faster than I usually do. <laughs> I'm, we're ahead of ourselves. Oh my God, I'm not sure what to do about that. <laughs> well, we didn't start late, so you know. <laughs> I know, right? Okay, so... Um, I've got some, uh, just some stuff for you guys on White Winter. We're going to do their backstory here in a second. But um, here's what they have to say for their, their little mead commercial. Uh, Drink deep and live wise has many connotations. For White Winter, it's about the unique flavors of our region, the richness and diversity, the history and story of mead, the oldest fermented beverage in the world. We share what we love as we connect with friends and family, laugh and have fun. Go ahead. Drink deep, live wise with White Winter Winery, crafting award-winning meads for 20 years in Iron River, Wisconsin. And that's www.whitewinter.com. So go check them out, guys. Uh, they, I can attest personally to the fact they make amazing mead. Um, so backstory. John and Kim Hamilton founded White Winter Winery in 1996, which coincidentally was about the time I started Got Mead. Um as a way to uh, add value to John's small beekeeping operation. And they specialized in mead from the get-go. And I've since added cider and now spirits. I actually got to try their spirits at the Mazer Cup last year. And, Ooh. oh, my God. Like, <laughs> holy crap, you know. I was just like, he handed me a bottle and I was just like, oh, this is so great. <laughs> it was pretty amazing. Um, but, um, I one of the very first meads I ever had, actually, was a white winter. It was their blueberry. They got a blueberry melomelas to die for. Huh. And I kid you not, AJ, this thing tastes like if you bottled summer sky. It's so cool. <laughs> oh, my God. You know, it's like laying in the grass on your back in a field of daisies. Kind of like that. You know, I mean, it's <laughs> just so good. <laughs> yeah, now you make me think of Ray Bradbury's dandelion wine. Oh, I know, right? That was the first time I made dandelion wine was after reading that story. So um, anyway, um, the, uh, John's won over 70 awards in international competitions, and his meats and cider have been used as reference standards at the American Homebrew Association Beer Judge Cert Program. Uh, nice. Style guidelines for mere be uh, mere bead, beer, mead, and cider. Yeah, talk much, Vic? Um <laughs> John, John's past president of their local honey producers association, and he's and, and he likes assisting startup beekeepers. He's also actively involved in Wisconsin Winery Association as a past board member, vice president, and president. And there's a whole lot of other things. I'll have to tell you the story sometime of uh, 
their bottle of blueberry mead the first time my mother-in-law came for dinner on a Thanksgiving and, and how that blueberry mead basically helped me survive the day. <laughs> <laughs> by you having it or by sharing it with your mother-in-law? By me having all of it. Okay. So, while I was cooking the turkey. Right. Yeah. A little for you, a little for the turkey. I know how that goes. Well, actually, none of it went to the turkey. It was a Tom's... Okay, I can tell you the story. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this is... Because it's, it's just stupid. Um, okay, so we decided to make, God knows why, a Thompson turkey. Do you know the Thompson turkey recipe? No. Okay. Well, basically, it's like a base the turkey, like, every two seconds. And, mm. and it's there's this complex rub that you put on the turkey. And then you have to base the turkey with a, a concoction made out of apple cider... And several other things, um, and uh, it's it's a real time intensive turkey. I mean, you're basically hovering over the thing the entire time it's cooking. So, um, and when it's finished cooking, the entire turkey turns black as pitch. I mean, it looks like you burnt the turkey to death. It's just oh well, yeah, because you've been covering it with sugar, right? So it's ex- caramelized. Exactly. Yeah. So right. you don't get to eat any of the skin on this turkey. That's the first thing you get rid of. But anyway, so. It sounded so amazing, and then the stuffing had apples and sage and all this cool stuff in it, and the whole thing just sounded stunningly great. Mother-in-law's coming for, you know, coming down to visit and stay with us for Thanksgiving. First and only chance I ever got to cook dinner for my mother-in-law, and <laughs> um, at least a holiday dinner anyway. And so I wanted to be just exactly right, you know. Never done. So, of course, we choose a recipe we've never made before because that makes perfect sense. Right. Yeah. And I had a bottle of white winter blueberry that I got in my hands on somewhere. I don't even remember how I got my hands on it now. But I had this bottle. And so the recipe is written out. It's kind of like reading J.A.O. You know how he's got all those personal things where he's like, don't mm-hmm. even think about it. All right. This one is like, so base the turkey. Now pour another drink. Oh, dear. Yeah. And and they were doing it with, like, martinis, you know. I mean, you'd be, like, <laughs> flat on your face at the end of this recipe. Because you're based in this turkey literally, like, every ten minutes. There's a timer. So I sat, on a, I sat on a bar chair in the kitchen with a book for four and a half hours basting this dang turkey <laughs> as it turned blacker and blacker and blacker. And John's coming in, and we're looking, and we're looking at each other, and we're looking in the oven going, oh, God. <laughs> is it supposed because it didn't say anything in the recipe about and it's going to turn black it just said keep basting the turkey you know so, so we're thinking oh my god we're ruining it but we got to keep going because there's nothing else we can do the turkey's in the <laughs> oven there's not another turkey we don't have time you know and so vicky's <laughs> drinking and drinking and drinking Vicky went through an entire bottle of blueberry mead uh, and and by the time the turkey was ready to come out of the oven vicky was feeling pretty good i bet <laughs> yeah vicky was really not caring much about anything except pretty good we're good it's all good you know and uh, so john pulls the turkey out and he looks at me and he's like dude i think we burnt it and i'm like it's all good man we'll be fine <laughs> as i wave my glass in the air drink up the last of this stuff you know and he's like are you drunk and i'm like no I'm okay <laughs> And he's like, oh, God, this is going to be a disaster, you know. <laughs> so the turkey's in one of those big, the turkey's in one of those big um, throwaway aluminum pans that you okay. use to cook turkeys in, right? You know, so he pulls the big throwaway aluminum pan and puts it on the stove, gets out his big forks, you know, to lift it over onto the cutting board so he can cut, the, you know, so he can carve the turkey before we take it to the table. And and mother's in the living room playing with the dogs and everything. So we're we're whispering to each other. Well, him whispering and me kind of drunkenly talking, kind of, <laughs> you know. But 
<laughs> so we're whispering. Drunkenly thinking you're whispering, right? Right. Yeah. Exactly. That, that <laughs> drunken think you're whispering. Exactly like that. And um, and he's going, "What are we going to do?" And I'm like, "I don't know." <laughs> he's like, "You're going to eat turkey." You know? <laughs> he's like, "And they eat it." He's like, "Dude, look at this turkey. It's like burnt to a crisp." And I'm like, "That would be fine, really. She could eat stuffing." <laughs> 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 Or bean, bean casserole or something. Well, it can't be burnt if you basted it every 10 minutes. Right, I know. And so he goes to lift it out of the pan and put it on the cutting board. And one of the things he did was he grabbed the leg bone and then stuck the fork in the other end. And I kid you not, the leg bone went chirp and came out like uh, like clean as a whistle. I mean, not a shred of meat sticking to it. This thing was so tender, it literally fell apart when he set it on the counter. And it was the tenderest meatiest, most moist and tasty turkey we've ever eaten in our entire lives. And yeah, I've only ever made the Thompson turkey once since then because it's so intensive time-wise, you know, mm-hmm. but um, if you've never, okay, guys, if, if you don't like turkey because it's too dry, Thompson turkey recipe. Look it up. I've already got a, yeah. I've got a note to look that up later. Yeah, yeah I'm going to, I'll try to pull the link and try to remember to put it on the webpage so you can get it, but it makes... <laughs> It, you know, you might want to drink mead because it'll scare the crap out of you while it's cooking, but God, is it good. Uh, <laughs> so, that being said, um, we're going to go ahead and get John in here, and we are going to, um, well, talk turkey about mead. So, haha. <coughs> yeah, and everybody out there is going, seriously, Vicky, did you just do that? Yeah, um, yeah, she did. Yeah, yeah, she did. I really did. It's her show. She's allowed. See what I did there? Yeah. Right. <laughs> uh, hang on, we'll have him here in just a second. Hello, this is the Fit Brown and Gantry home. Please leave us a message. Apparently, I called the wrong number. Well, good thing they didn't answer. Yeah, uh, right? Okay, so we'll take that one out of the group. All right, so let's try that again. 715-774-3581. That's the right number. So, so AJ Talk while I figure this out. <laughs> Find something to talk about quick. Right, like, don't put me on the spot or anything. Um, I know, sorry. Right. Actually, I was thinking of trying the Thompson turkey thing with the chicken, because, you know, it doesn't take four hours to do, but we'll see what actually happens. Because that sounds like a really neat idea, and I can see why it would end up turning black, because you'd caramelize it. Yeah. But essentially, you're, like, slow cooking it. Yeah, it was, and it turned progressively darker and darker and darker. I mean, literally, mm-hmm. it was, like, black as pitch and charred on the outside. You paint it with this, like, mustard concoction. It's got mustard, oh, okay. dry mustard and a bunch of other stuff in it. And I'm texting um, John's wife, Kim, who hopefully is online and paying attention. But you know what? I've got some other numbers for him, so let me try one of those. And sooner or later, we will figure out how to have commercial breaks and do this so that it's behind the scenes. Yeah, yeah, so that we can actually bring them in without the phone ringing. So, yeah, <laughs> bear with Oops. us, guys. We were actually just talking to um, Ryan about that, and he's a musician, and he's going to 
maybe help us with that stuff. So let's try that. Let's try the shop and see if they're there, and uh, do that. Cause uh, since we got the answering machine, it's like I hope he didn't forget that we're actually talking tonight. I've been emailing him all day. I went to winery. Sorry, we can't come to the phone right now. Seriously. Please leave a message and we'll get back to you. <laughs> Wait, we're just batting a thousand tonight, aren't we? I oh my god, try. seriously. Alright, I got one more number to try. And I, you know, I copied and pasted that number to make sure that I got it right, too. So, go figure. Well, I've typoed my own phone number when giving it to someone else, so. Oh yeah, I know, right? It happens. All right, let's try this one. Guys, thank you for being patient. This is, like, really embarrassing, but, you know. Oh, well. These things happen. Thank you for calling. Please leave a message. Yep. Yeah. Seriously. At the tone. Please record. All right. And we're going to try once more to this other one, and then we're going to go ahead and get Manny and uh, and um, Ryan in and, and uh, just go ahead and talk turkey for a while. Or, well, mead. You know. Mead, not turkey. Not You're just turkey. fixated on turkey tonight, aren't you? I am fixated on turkey. Did you tonight. eat enough? I did. I had, and it wasn't <laughs> even turkey. Um, I'm not a big fan of turkey, even a Thompson turkey. Mm. Moist and tasty though it was. Right, now it's coming up busy. All right. So okay. Um, talk a little bit, AJ, about what your plans are with this new segment, and I'm just going to try to get Kim. So let's, let's talk about that, because I think people are probably going to be pretty interested in that. Okay. Well, the, uh, the idea was to sort of get back to basics, and, you know, I was going to go through the forum and, well, having gone through the forum for years, there's a lot of questions that people ask over and 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 over. So what I was thinking of doing was, um starting by um, answering some of these questions that get asked over and over and, you know, trying to figure out why people keep asking these same questions all the time. And then um, Gunnet00 asked about the basics because, you know, to be fair, we've been getting into some pretty high-level stuff talking to Pete. And, we just uh, got them in. Keep talking. And so... Um, what I wanted to start with was the basics. So, you know, that's uh, that's what I had to plan for tonight is, you know, where do I start? Okay. I like it. John, is that you? That's me. Sorry. <laughs> those, darn those darn musicians were too loud. Those darn musicians. Boy, I just can't. You know, and it's fun because uh, we're, doing a, we're doing a segment after we, get, um, after we finish talking with you. 
Uh, and one of the guys that is going to be part of the conversation about basically making mead back to the basics, AJ's got a new segment that she's launching tonight, um, is a lifelong musician himself. <laughs> nice. Yeah, so if you're... Maybe yeah, I want... I don't know. I don't know what all you got going on, but if you want to stick around, you're more than welcome to. Um, welcome to the show. And uh, sorry about that. Everybody out there was like, "Why are you calling all these?" I'm calling all these different numbers, and they're all rolling voicemail. And it's like, what I done wrong? John I'm hates sorry. me. <laughs> I'm texting Kim, going, "Kim, he's not answering the phone." Where is he? <laughs> well, I'm here now. You are. Uh, you and, are. And yeah, enjoying a nice. Uh, well, let's see. What do we call it? Uh, uh, black, black mead, honey, and black mead um, spirits. So. Ooh, really? Is this a new spirit from the one that you gave me last year? Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, really? <laughs> and, yeah, and, but we and, can't call it brandy because it's made with honey. Believe it or not. So. AJ's already typing that. I was just going to go type that in there. AJ's already doing it. Um, <laughs> well, you know, it's the most important question we ask is, what yeah, are you drinking Is tonight? what are you drinking, yeah. Yep. Is, now, is this one that, uh, is this commercially available yet? Uh, it'll be released this summer for Ooh. our 20-year anniversary. Yeah. And, and that is when exactly in the summer, John? That it's going to be released? Yeah, yeah. Well, your best bet is to come up for our party on July 2nd because I can't ship it anywhere. So. I know you can't ship it anywhere, so I'm trying to figure <laughs> out. I'm coming home I'm coming home sometime this summer waiting to find out when my daughter is going to go visit the lake so I can time everything. But our 30th yeah. wedding anniversary is this summer, so we talked about zipping up to the UP and hiding for a couple of days. And, well, you know, Iron River's not all in yeah, so not very far away. I know, right? <laughs> so you know, I was just kind of trying to work out the logistics here, and you know, twist Vicky's rubber arm. Uh huh. Well, <laughs> hey, you you did not have some of the spirits you had last year. Just saying, it was like I can only imagine. Pretty dang amazing. Yeah, it really was. So yeah, I took that bottle you gave me, and I went. Um, I actually um, gave it to Sammy. Oh. So yeah, it was the hardest thing I ever did. <laughs> I wanted to, I wanted to keep that so bad, but she loves your stuff. Mine, as much mine, as mine, mine, mine. Yeah. Okay. Now this yeah. is a guy. Just you know, just to give you guys a little backstory, my daughter likes uh, uh, White River uh, Winery Meads as much as I do, and particularly their Blueberry Melomel. So um, when when my daughter graduated from college, John and Kim gave her Blueberry Mead for a graduation present. It was the sweetest thing. So, um, you know, this oh, nice. box appears with her name on it, you know, and it's like, oh, my God, that's so amazing. And she's, like, hoarding it. She wouldn't let me touch it. I couldn't even share <laughs> it with her. She's like, no, Mom, you can't have any. This is mine. You know, so it was so funny. Um, and when she moved out, John, she took it with her. So. <laughs> oh, yeah, well, smart girl. Smart girl, yeah. So, but, yeah, I, uh, um, I, shared, uh, I shared the bottle that we started with my friends at the Mazer Cup. And then the other one, yeah. I shared some with my daughter and left the remainder with her because I knew she'd really enjoy it and wanted her to share it with her husband, who was out Perfect. at that time. Yeah, he was out doing army things, so he wasn't around at the time. So, um, yeah. so okay, um, everybody, John Hamilton, White Winter Winery, and um, tell us a little bit about you guys. Oh, golly, that's a big question. Um, we, yeah, so, uh, 
about the the meadery itself or or what us personally about or, about who you guys are what got you well okay let's uh, let's let's, let's yeah. dial it in a little bit how'd you get interested you know how'd you get into mead what's uh you know what's the backstory here yeah well the backstory is is that um my family's been into beekeeping for generations so it's honey's always been around and i'd always wanted to keep bees and when i was growing up my great uncles would um would come by our house we lived in the suburbs of minneapolis and you know, my dad was always telling stories about these guys. There was these, you know, mythic characters, and they'd pull up in the front of the house in the suburbs with a semi-full of beehives, and they'd drop off a super full of honeycomb, and they'd, at the time, of course, there wasn't any uh, plastic five-gallon pails. They were, you know, tins of um, five-gallon tins full of honey, and then we'd just eat off of that stuff all year long. It was delicious. And, um, you know, as many of... Our fellow mead makers know there is just absolutely nothing as good as honey fresh off the hive. It just oh, yeah. mm. has a flavor that and an aroma that is second to none. So really good. So that's kind of where the where this whole fascination with honey got started. And I actually uh, wrote a, my very first research paper in like seventh or eighth grade um, on uh, on beekeeping. And, of course, in doing the research for that, I always came across these references for mead, and I'm thinking, hmm, you know, as I got a little older from being 13 or 14 and into 15, 16, 17, it's like, you know, it might be a whole lot easier to make this alcoholic beverage instead of trying to get to the liquor store to score a keg of beer or something like that. <laughs> and then try to convince somebody to go in and buy for you, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, and there's a whole other story behind that, but oh, it's, uh, yeah, it's kind of crazy. We but, were stuck with but, just letting cider go hard in our lockers, but all right, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, we didn't um, start finally keeping bees uh, we were my wife and I, Kim, were settled into a spot <clears throat> down in Kenosha after college, and had our first kid, and uh, Austin, who's now thirty, soon to be thirty-one this year, and um, you know we were we weren't making a lot of honey down there, but once we moved north and got out of the cabbage fields, we were producing uh, uh, you know a fair number of honey amount of honey for us um, at the time, eight to ten hives is all we ever had at any one given time. But so I'm thinking, well, what am I going to do with all this honey? You know, you can sell it, but you didn't get that much for it. It's a lot of work. So what can we do that's value added? And of course the light bulb goes on and Hey, why not me? We had been looking for a business to get into for a long time. And that just really seemed to fit for us. And, um, that led to, I don't know, two years of research and development into the recipes and process. And I had been homebrewing, um, for a couple of years before that. And actually the guy that taught me how to brew is downstairs right now as we speak and we're playing music together. So at this <laughs> little election party, it's the primary elections here in Wisconsin today. So, Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. So this that's is, why yeah, we're, we're playing, we're playing uh, music because, uh, it's, it's more fun than, than watching the primary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, by the guy who's hosting it, he's actually running for uh, uh, county supervisor. Oh. So he's, yeah, we're hoping to celebrate a positive election return for him, as well yeah. as Bernie. But we'll well, see. yeah, best best of luck. So that's, that's, that's great. Yeah. yeah, so that's kind of where the honey connection came in. And so we, I don't know, I've kept bees for quite a number of years. And, you know, at this point, we go through so much honey, there's no way we'd probably have to you know, be running a couple of 1,500, 2,000 hives at least to, to produce enough honey for our needs and driving them back and forth to Texas or wherever. 
because we can't you can't winter them over real well up here. You need to really move them. So yeah, that's warm, what, uh, warmer climates. St. Ambrose across the lake from you guys. Well, diagonally across the lake from you guys because they're down by Benzonia in Michigan. Uh-huh. But yeah, they run they run a lot of hives. They do pollination services as well, so they've got a yeah. lot of hives. But yeah, I think they're all winter. They're down south somewhere. Yeah. It's really funny, you know, uh, well, funny, ha-ha, funny, sad, I don't know, but, you know, the the big guys, the big beekeepers, honey is a, is a nuisance item for them. It's kind of, a, it gets in the way, you know, they make all their money off of pollination contracts now, and uh, so, they, yeah, mm. they don't they don't necessarily like dealing with honey, but not with the prices up, they probably do. Well, if <laughs> only I could does. find people who wanted to get rid of their honey like that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, she, yeah, she lives in yeah. Canada where you have to grow your own honey if you want to make mead, so. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, oh, Canada. Yeah. Yeah. It's right across the border. We get a lot of Canucks that come through uh, come through our shop because Highway 2, which is what we're on, is the, you know, the United States, well, it's the Canada, Canada's southern highway, the United States' northern highway, but a lot of the <laughs> Canadians come down on Highway 2 to get make the trek from one coast to the other because it's faster believe it or not a better road <laughs> they oh. keep telling me i don't know what it is but <laughs> i actually do know people who've done that go down yeah. to the states to get from um like ontario to bc yeah 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 we get tons of folks coming through That's nice folks nice drive. people yeah yeah it is yeah so yeah so that's kind of where the honey connection came in and you know, okay. like I said, we did nearly two years of research and, the, and and literally went from one end of the country to the other to find out who was doing it, how they were doing it, why they were doing it, and most importantly, if they were being successful at it. Uh, between us and our partners at the time, we covered uh, every coast and um, uh, visited a couple of places, spent a lot of time with Bob Kine, who was pioneering the ultrafiltration method way back then. Hmm. And um, we, let's see, we incorporated in January of 96, uh, opened the doors in June of that year and had our first meager products uh, out on the shelf, I think, by like October, November of uh, that year. As I served. believe I launched Got Mead right in that same time frame. So in a way, you guys helped birth Got Mead because it was your mead that made me realize, oh, my God, you know, there's so much more out there because I had been kind of futzing well, with it, but... Yeah, and you were the crazy lady, as I recall. You yeah. were the crazy lady that had to send it to New York or something like that. No, so California. That you get it from your sister. Oh, California. Yeah, that's yeah. Your my sister. sister-in-law lives oh. in Long Beach. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Oh, AJ, I don't think I ever told you that one. I had sister-in-law in Long Beach. So I'd have these guys send a case of mead with with three bottles of their black mead because uh, she loves their black mead, and and they would ship it to California. She would pull out her bottles, repackage it, relabel it, and ship it to me. You know, and yeah, uh, we can't was, ship to North Carolina. So. Yeah, and uh, it was hilarious because that was basically her tithe was you know the boss. <laughs> She'd take a quarter of it, re- repackage it, ship it back to me. You know, and it was <laughs> it was ridiculously expensive. It was the only way I could get my hands on this stuff. Yeah, so. yeah craziness. Now I'm telling you. <laughs> yeah, so those are the good old days, you know. Yeah, back when honey was sixty-two cents a pound. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, now, now it's almost to the point where a gallon of honey costs so much as much as a gallon of mead. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, yeah, crazy. actually. Yeah, it's getting there. I'll tell you. I don't know what's going to happen when it does, but we'll see. So that brings up the question of, I mean, what? Are, where are you guys? I know you're into um, 
you know, green and, you know, and, you know, sane growth and that kind of thing. So are you guys doing anything special around sustainability and stuff like that? Wonder what's your, what's your, you know, business slash, you know, just the way you want to do things on that. Sure. Well, as we started out uh, 20 years ago, we tried to keep things as local as possible. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of a nuts and bolts, uh, kind of get, kind of guy, um, sort of a MacGyver, you know, I like to put things together, and I'm a firm believer in using what's in your own backyard, which is one reason why I have a kind of a, a, a pile of treasures behind my garage, um, but we also, <laughs> you got that one, that's good. Um, <laughs> my but we, dad's a but we yeah, also, <laughs> yeah, I get it. <laughs> <laughs> but we also believe really firmly in using what's in our local area, you know, so we try really hard and to use uh, honey and fruit that source from our local region because, you know, our feeling is, is that it's, it's the terroir of need, you know, I mean, it, mm. it, it's the expression of the land in the glass and, and it truly is. I mean, the honey and the fruit that we get locally is, is way different than anything that we end up having to ship in. It's much better, I think, quality wise and because um, it's fresh for one thing. And, uh, we, originally we were able to source things from about 60 miles away uh, Bayfield, Bayfield Peninsula in Wisconsin is about 50 miles away from us. And um, it's a real unique, roughly a 12-square-mile microclimate uh, that is a premier um, bramble fruit, you know, raspberries, um, blackberries, and also uh, the bushberries like um, oh, like blueberries and black currants uh, okay. grow really well there. They Actually, the guy that we buy blue, blueberries from has traveled the world uh, teaching people how to grow blueberries, and his farm consistently outproduces Michigan, which is the largest blueberry-producing region in the world. Yeah. Uh, on a per-acre basis, his farm is much smaller than those farms, but he consistently outproduces those kids well, every I'm, year. I'm, I'm jealous on behalf of Michigan, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, anyway, that, so we were able to do that uh, the first few years that we were open, and then it was sourcing from within 100 miles, and now it's... 150 miles and I'm sure as time goes on and we continue to grow we're not we're you know we're just outgrowing what the supply is and what we can get locally so we're trying still to keep our core products as local as possible and we're always trying to find ways to reduce reuse recycle you know one of our big initiatives coming up is how can we continue to to uh, save water and cut our water usage and you know water up here is a is a beautiful thing. It's we have ten thousand year old water in our aquifer up here in the Lake Superior mm-hmm. Basin, yeah. and uh, it, people consistently say, "Oh, this water is fabulous," and it is. It's just it is, we have yeah. artesian wells all over the place. You know, our property is is artesian wells, and uh, down the road from us, it's just great water, and it shows you know in the spirits and in the needs. And mm-hmm. so, there you go. Okay. Cool. So, you guys, I mean, you were saying earlier, yeah, you, you, you did coast to coast to coast learning, you know, what the others were doing and, you know, so what was it, what was it like back in the days of the Wild West? <laughs> and you were one of the only <laughs> professional meteries out there. What, you know, what'd you guys yeah. start out with? What was, you know, what was, what'd you, what'd you do? We actually had a, a fairly good offering. You know, we started off, of course, with the traditionals, the dry and the sweet, and this week in particular, um, we started off with a sizer, 
I think we did a raspberry and a blueberry. I the think. blueberry. And then, uh, yeah. Yeah. The the I think the second year we added the straw, and within a few years we started adding black mead and the, you know the ciders and all that kind of stuff. But pretty much our core has been the traditionals, the sweet and dry Pfizer, blueberry, raspberry. I think those are the the four or five main ones. We added the braggots. Um, I don't know when did we add those. Maybe four or five years in, maybe three years in. Okay. And those we partner up with South Shore Brewery in Ashland to make for us um, hmm. because of the amount of honey and malt. So uh, we keep them at, I think the traditional bracket is running about 55% honey and the uh, oak bracket is running more like 80% honey wow. and 20% malt. So, um, yeah, and they've been great. Bo Belanger from South Shore Brewery has been a, he started in 95, we started in 96, and, you know, I went into the brewery to talk to him about it and told him what I was going to do, and he's looking at me with his head kind of cocked sideways, and he's like, yeah, right, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> but, you know, we're sort of kindred spirits, you know, I mean, he left his good uh, DNR, or, sorry, Department of Natural Resources uh, fisheries job to start South Shore Brewery, and I left my well-paying psychotherapy job to start uh, or to, you know, help move along. I guess I didn't quit my job for five years, but, you know, it's the same kind of deal. You know, we're both working full-time and quit our jobs to run our businesses full-time, so. Nice. And I I think that's been one of the big, big, um, you know, factors in our successes. There's been, you know, just a ton of people that have helped us up out along the way. Um, you know, people in, in the state of Wisconsin, Wallersheim's, um, Bob Wallersheim, who since passed away, that started Wallersheim Winery, and Philippe Cocard, his son-in-law, and Julie Cocard, his um, his daughter. You know, they they and I just always reference them and their philosophy because their deal is is that you know we're not in a wine-producing region or what's perceived as a wine-producing region or a meat-producing region or whatever you want to call it. So we have to help each other out. You know, we either stand together or we die alone. And if somebody's making a bad product, it reflects on everybody. So it just makes sense to help everybody out. In that sense, I guess it's, you know, is it altruistic? No, but it's good for everyone. And, yeah, it's just and that's kind of where we, yeah. And it, and it's, it, that's kind of the philosophy that Kim and I have is that, uh, you know, so many people have helped us out along the way. We're more than happy to help other people up along the way. And, call all you gotta do is call you know set up a time to talk or whatever shoot me an email um i'm happy to answer questions and we've done that um you know quite a bit over the years actually so okay now i'll pass that along because i know there's budding meteries out there that would like the opportunity to talk to an experienced professional and i mean there are there are several of the um meter owners out there that do that so i i think it's great because i'm a big believer in a rising tide floats all boats too so um, yeah you know it's well and everybody and everybody's got different ideas you know i mean it, yeah everybody's got different ways of doing things everybody's got you know different equipment well i mean some of it's the same but um you know maybe you put something together that's different or better than what I have and you know you share those ideas you network and you know it's all good it's all good stuff so we we don't uh, we're not a big enough industry to be nitpicking each other so yeah, <laughs> yeah. <There's> that. <laughs> so what uh, what sort of setup did you use when you were making meat at home 
Uh, five-gallon pail. Five-gallon pail, just like the rest of us. <laughs> five-gallon pail, yeah. Yeah, as we started doing more research, um, and we're, we were working with Bob Kine quite a bit at the time, we bought a small uh, ultra-filter cartridge to see how that would work. Um, so I, do you guys know anything about ultra-filtration? you want me to go into that a little bit? Yeah, I, yeah well, sure. I mean, I know a little about it, and I know AJ's read those books, too, but there's a lot of folks out there that don't know Kime and sure. uh, and his research. So, yeah, I think a little conversation about that might be interesting. And um, sure. just as an FYI, we've got Luis from Costa Rica, and I'm getting ready to bring him in. Uh, so, Luis, uh, you want to turn down the sound on your computer because it will echo when I bring you in. Uh, so, please go ahead, John. I'm going to get Luis in here. Okay, sure. So, um, way back, you know, 20-plus years ago, 25 years ago, Bob Kine had started pioneering this this deal, this ultrafiltration, uh, to get the proteins out of honey uh, for making mead. And, and in a lot of ways, I think he was, you know, really instrumental in sparking some of the, the new, uh, well, sparking people's interest in making mead commercially again um, because the proteins had been a huge issue. You know, it's that foam, if you boil it, it's that foam that, uh, forms on the top, and you get protein hazes in the bottle and stuff that are always uh, sometimes tricky to get out. Okay. So um, we had, my former partner had spent quite a bit of time with him, and we had decided to pursue that. Um, now, he was ultra-filtering the actual honey, which took forever. I mean, I mean, you know how viscous honey mm-hmm. is, so it just took forever to get through that filter. And we ended up actually ultra-filtering afterwards, um, after fermentation, to remove those proteins, and uh, we actually built the machine. Those machines, you know, probably run dollars $35,000 for a single filter, They're probably way more than that now, but way back then. So we actually bought a cartridge and plumbed it and with all the gauges and all that kind of stuff to, to do the ultra-filtration. So um, that's, you know, one piece of equipment that, I mean, we started with, we probably, I don't think you need it, certainly don't need it now. We haven't had one for for years. Um, we haven't used ultrafiltration because we found ways that were as good or better, I think, to remove the proteins without um, circulating it through that ultrafilter all the time. So. Okay. Yeah, and I would think that it would, um, oh, Luis is in the call now. Welcome, Luis. Thank you. Hello. Welcome. Uh, regards from uh, Costa Rica. Yeah. So, hey, Luis. I'm, I'm so excited. Yeah, I'm so excited. This is John Hamilton from White Winter Winery, and I am so excited to hear you and have you on the same call because my wife and daughter are actually going to Costa Rica here in, at the end of the month. And my wife was just saying, hey, there's a meadery in Costa Rica. we got to find that place. And here you are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yes. Yeah. Good. The, the universe is a strange and wonderful place, and this is evidence of that bar none. It is. So, oh, and, and is just really exciting. contact me uh, offline, John. Uh, I know the owner sure. of Costa Rica Meadery, so I can hook you up. Wonderful. Yeah, I know everybody, right? You, know? <laughs> you, you do. You you are the gal, I'll tell you what. You're the yeah. hub. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, uh, well, welcome to Costa Rica for your family, and uh, we can we can be in touch. I think it's possible. Nice. And yes, I would love there is, I am. I am just. Uh, I will say enthusiastic and uh, trying to develop uh, some uh, entrepreneurial business with uh, meat. And uh, yes, there, there is uh, one um, 
Meadri already established it in Costa Rica. I am just only trying to some batches testing, and uh, I hopefully in the short future I will be in the yeah. market. No, not yet. Wonderful. Nice. Cool. Luis, you might want to look at the American Mead Makers Association. That's for North and Central America. And uh, there's a lot of really good mead making information there. And, of course, Got Mead also has a lot of information. But um, the professional mead makers there talk a lot about what equipment works and how to get started and uh, business ideas and things like that. So it's definitely worthwhile. Their website is mead-makers.org. And um, they can be very helpful, and it's not very expensive to join as an individual, so you can learn a lot there. Super, super. Well, I, I, I really knew because I'm following the, the, the American Association since uh, months ago, and also I was following the, 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 the CAP uh, a few weeks ago. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, well, I am not formally as a, as a member, but uh, yes, hopefully in the short future I will be there. No, no doubt, because... Uh, you guys, you are doing uh, quite well some years ago. And um, what I can tell by myself, by my experience is uh, my father and my uncle, and when I was young, I am 40, 40 something. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's not need for details. Huh? Yes, right, yeah. We don't need, we don't need to disclose that. <laughs> <laughs> when, I was young, when, when I was young, my father and my uncle had a, a piari, so I, I know the business of uh, honey, honey business and, and so on, but I remember, that is a funny story, I remember after the, the tough war for them, working and sucking the, the honey from the piaris a uh, week ago, something, months ago, I remember seeing those guys, my father and my uncle, looking for in, in, a, in a barrel, um, cleaning up and then testing or drinking some special <laughs> beverages. So I, now I know what they, they test because also I, I tested when I was young. So yeah, <laughs> meat is, uh, is coming, is, is, now is back to my life. But now I'm, uh, as an adult, I can drink. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I am allowed to drink, no as a young. Uh, as a young guy, but uh, yes, I'm quite interested to to know and to um, I would say learn from you guys and also to meet because the other thing I I am lacking here in Costa Rica is there is only one one meadri, so it's not possible to to have uh, meat to test. So I'm doing my my meat, but I don't have a I would say a tester or a control point. So that is important for me to develop a net with you guys to 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 have the possibility in the in the future to have some met orders back to Costa Rica or, or I would say brought to Costa Rica sent to Costa Rica in, in order I can I can test and, and you know oh yeah get samples yeah I think we could probably arrange something um, email me at gotmead at gotmead.com and I'll introduce you to some people and we might be able to arrange some things we we can share also and. Oh, if yeah. I, if you accept my 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 my, my uh, samples, I will say. Yep. Okay. Sounds yeah. like you would be a perfect candidate to be going to the Mazer Cup. Yeah, you need to attend the Mazer Cup. Yeah, I think for you sure. need to attend it more than I do. <laughs> next next year, next year. There you go. Yeah, don't think that's going to get you out of getting a passport there, AJ. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
So, uh, all right. So, um, so yeah, John, look, you're bringing them in internationally. Is that cool or what? Nice. Yeah, that's great. And and from the that's other great. end of the country and not Canada. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's wonderful. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, if you need if you need somebody to to mule some stuff down there, just let us know cuz they're heading down. They're heading to Costa Rica at the end of the month. So okay, yeah, we'll there you go. Touch. There you go, Luis. We'll uh, I'll connect you and John after the show. Uh, email me with your email address, okay? And, Wonderful. Yeah, and I will connect you and John, and perhaps uh, you and John and his wife can make some arrangements to have you try some of their mead. They make excellent mead. So oh, absolutely wonderful. Yeah, cool. thank you. I will appreciate. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, and and also I can I can contact me because uh, you know I am 30 35 kilometers from the international airport. You are going to arrive, and uh, mm -hmm. we have nice uh, cloud forest nearby. Just oh, I would say 20, 20 minutes from home or so on. So let's go make a trip here, and uh, I will show you. I, I, I will be your guest to, to show you Costa Rica. Tour guide. <laughs> Sure guy, yeah. There you go. Sure. Sure me, I'm a guy. Oh, oh, and he works for me. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> I gotta love it. So, John, John, what are you doing um, since Kime was? Well, I mean, he had a good idea, but it kind of, it kind of took the, it kind of took the life out of the honey, you know, with all the right. stripping right. and straining. So, what did you end up moving to? What are you guys doing for filtration now? Yeah, well, we use a standard standard filtration protocol. You know, we're going through a plate and frame. Um, we don't ultra filter at this point or micro filter. Um, you know, to remove those proteins, we found that that night works really well for that. Okay. Um, sometimes you have to you have to do some bench trials, but you know, typically it's probably like three to four grams per gallon, rather than you know of your finished product, rather than rather than the standard one to two because honey does have protein in it from all the yeah. good stuff that bees do. Um, Bee poop. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, you know, extracting, you get royal jelly in there, pollen and bee parts. And, you know, we don't get, we get honey typically from the, right from the beekeeper. So it's, it's minimally filtered. There's wax and, you know, bee, bee stuff in there, bee uh, wings or whatever, bee parts and, so you gotta Extra get that nutrients. out of there, but all that creates protein, and that you gotta get out, and in order to in order to keep it stable. So. Okay. So, what do you guys got going forward? I mean, you've got quite a spread. I was looking at the website, and it's been it's been a little <laughs> yeah. while since I've hit the website because I just go there and then I feel sad because you know I can't get your mead, so I leave again. Um, right. <laughs> but. Um, yeah. I'm figuring this out. I really am. I know you guys ship to Michigan. When I made, and you ship to Michigan, don't you? No, nope, can't nope. Michigan. <laughs> That's right. Prohibits. Prohibits. Yeah. 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 Well, darn it. Yeah. Okay, I'll figure something out. Um, I may have to. I may have to take the ferry over to Manitowoc or something. You know, just to get me. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, so um, I saw you have quite a spread of stuff. I saw the strawberry. Totally got to lay my hands on some of that. But. Yeah. Um, What's coming up for you guys? You've got the launch this summer for your, did you say your 20th or 30th wedding anniversary? 20th need anniversary. Need anniversary. 20th oh. anniversary, yeah. Cool. That's so cool. For the, for that's for the spirit. So what else is on the horizon that people can be drilling after? <laughs> yeah, so we'll have, um, 
We'll have uh, an apple uh, and honey spirit wood wood age. That'll be on uh, actually. Let's see. I can't say wood. I can't say wood age. I have to say mellowed on wood, and it'll be mellowed on an apple wood. So kind of a full circle um, spirit with that. We'll have the black oh, currant nice. honey spirits. We'll have uh, uh, a couple of eau de vies, I think, coming or eau de vie styles. Uh, again, like that blueberry. That's just a white spirit, straight white spirit, raspberry, strawberry, blueberry. With any luck. Um, let's see. I think. Then we'll have a regular apple brandy that'll either be released late, real late this year, or early next year, 2017. And it just depends on how it tastes when I check it in November. So, okay, I think uh, I that's see not a, a mean. I see a plan forming here. AJ's going to get her passport, come down from Ontario <laughs> to stay at the lake with me and my husband and, I, and my family's cabin. Then we're going to take the ferry from Ludington to Manitowoc. And, wait, how far is Manitowoc from Iron River? I forget. Oh, it's like six hours or more. Oh, God. We'll go around. It'll be, it actually might be quicker to go up and around through the UP. Right. So, anyway, we'll figure out a way to get over to Iron River. And, and, yeah. And, and, and yeah, you know, I've got a friend who owns uh, some cabins there that I might be able to, you know, she's got one free. She might rent us for a deal. And, yeah, you know. You never know. Yeah. Or maybe we can meet you someplace halfway. Who knows? Well, yeah. You know, we're down, we're down in that Milwaukee, Kenosha, Green Bay area, Appleton area, quite a Bit. Well, we don't oh. get north so much into Green Bay, but over the course of the summer for different festivals and things. So, if you let us know your travel dates, um, maybe we can maybe we can get together someplace. Ooh, there's a you thought. never know. Okay, like I said, the the universe is a strange and wonderful place, and you never know how things work out. It <laughs> is. It is indeed. Yeah, and that, okay, that might work out because there's two ferries that come from Michigan, um, and one goes to Manitowoc, and I think the other one goes to Milwaukee. So um, I'll check into it, and I'll let you know as soon as I have dates. Waiting for my daughter and her husband to tell me when the Army is going to let them come back across the country and uh, spend some time. So, yeah, it's all kind of up in the air. It's like, This is the way my life is these days. Like, when are you coming? I don't know. We'll let you know as soon as we know. Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, but as soon as I know, I'll, I'll give you guys a heads up and maybe we can put something together because I would dearly love sure. to actually meet you guys outside of the Mazer Cup and in your, you know, in, in your element, so to speak, um, you know, yeah, right, right. And, and all that kind of thing. So that would be cool. Nice. It would be fun. Absolutely. Yeah. I think AJ had something she wanted yeah. to ask you guys. Yeah. One last question. What is your mead philosophy? I mean, some of them are really in big on the history. Some are like the uniqueness. Others have different reasons for mead. What What are your reasons? Uh, well, it's that old family tradition, right? So <laughs> it's all it. about the honey. It's all about the honey, you know? So for me, it was the connection to beekeeping and family history and everything that had gone on before. Uh, and it was a way to survive with honey to make a value-added product. So we love the history. There's no no question about that. We love everything about it. We love the uniqueness about it. You know, I guess that's one of the main uh, selling points that we have, especially with distributors and when we go out to new accounts uh, and stuff like that. You know, the distributors will say, we've never been able to get into that account until you guys were there because nice. you're stuff is so unique it opened the door we sold your stuff and then we were able to go back and sell the rest of our book nice. in that particular wherever so cool. you know just the fact that it's unique and just trying to make something 
that's really a world-class product. You know, I mean, that's all. I, we didn't even submit anything to a competition for five years because I didn't think it was good enough. I know I had to come and, and ride your butt to get to come to the Major <laughs> Cup. I'm like, when are yeah. you coming? He's like, we're really too busy. And I'm like, seriously, you're telling me that? You know? <laughs> <laughs> After I've only so it, like gone on and on and on and on and on about you guys till everybody was sick of hearing it, you know, for like twenty years yeah, now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, a lot of that, you know, the, this last hiatus has been because we've been so focused on the Wisconsin Winery Association too. I've been president and vice president and a board member of that group for oh probably twelve or thirteen years, and just recently, yeah, well, about two years ago, got off the board there because I just needed a break. But yeah. Um, you only it, you know, so, so many balls there, John. Yeah. So it's um yeah, there's been a lot of a lot of things going on. But yeah, so that's kind of the mead philosophy, you know, is that it's not strictly about the history, it's not strictly um you know, I, I guess it's just it's about the honey and it's you know, we're honey folks. I'm a honey guy. It's you know, it's been in the it's been in the blood, you know, it's it comes through our veins. It's just <laughs> <laughs> and if and if I thought I had, I could, I could, I could serve more than one queen. I'd probably have my hives back in a heartbeat. But Tim would probably emasculate me if I, yeah. <laughs> if I did. So. Strap you to one of those hives and then shake it really hard. You know. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. That's yeah, exactly and, and right. That would you know? be the end of you. Yeah, death by. It's only yeah. so much. Only so much time for so many things, right? That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We need about five lifetimes. But then you know. The nice part about it is, too, though, is because I've been involved with bees and beekeeping and been the president of the Wisconsin Honey Producers, Northern Wisconsin Honey Producers Association, I've had the opportunity to get help get a lot of other people started. So it's kind of like being a grandparent. That's you know, cool. now I can go over there. I can stick my head in their hives. I can, you know, play with their bees and <laughs> have fun and offer unsolicited advice and tell them how to do things that they ignore and all that kind of stuff. And then at the end of the day, I can put the cover back on and walk away and leave them to deal with it. So <laughs> that's okay. So you get to be a bee grandpa. Uh, hey, yeah, I get awesome. to be a bee grandpa. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. yeah, It's a fun thing to be able to be. And I've got, I've got people out there learn to make meat and got meat and they come back and they tell me, you know, and, and some of them, I just see what they're doing. Like Brad Dahlhofer, and um, yeah. you know, and some of the some of the you know some of the, some of the more successful meaderies, I'm I'm thrilled to be able to say, learned a lot about mead on Got Mead, and I feel so proud, you know, yeah, because yeah. they've contributed and, something, and and look at what they've done with it. I mean, they're so yeah. amazing. Well, you're like the you're you're like the um, you know, the person in the family that everybody goes to to get their information. You know, it's it's like you know, great grandma or whatever. You know, so. Make sure you're hanging around for a while, because we'll all be lost. Inside to, <laughs> it was a near thing last down. November, but yeah, I'm working at it. I'm, I'm working at it. So yeah, and yeah. and you know though, and I admire so much the things that Brad has done, and that Michael has done, and and Mike Fall has done. I mean, all those guys, they just you know they nice, put their right? heart and soul into this thing, and they just they've helped people along the way, and they. You know, it's all, it's, it's just like I was talking about before. Either you stand together or you die alone. And they have been the epitome of, of that in the meat industry. You know, they've done such a fabulous job. And you have done such a fabulous job. And I put you right up there on that pedestal along with the rest of those guys. Because, they've, you know, they've really stepped up to the plate and done what needed to be done. So, cool. Or did well, what needed to be done. We're all in this yeah. together, you know. I mean, this is a, yeah. this is a revolution that we're only going to win if we stick together that's the thing so and i think so far we're fighting the good fight you know i mean we gotta 
We've made a lot of progress, and yeah, we may only be a tiny little drip in the in the bucket of wine, you know that that they lump us into, mm-hmm. uh, you know, at the federal level. But uh, we are, by gosh, you know, I think kicking and screaming and clawing our way out and into the limelight. <laughs> you know, I mean, I think we're I think we're doing yep. okay. Yep, absolutely. We just saw an article from the UK. I wish I could give you the source on it right off the top of my head. Yeah, that meat is one of the new trend, you know, I mean, it's the trending beverage in the alcoholic beverage industry now. So. Nice, I'll have to hunt. Go yeah, figure. If you find that, email it to me, but I'll go I'll go hunting and see if I can track it down. Yeah. That's, that, yeah. that's I'd like to get that, I'd like to get that up where others can read it. I think that people mm-hmm. can see that, yeah. But yeah, no kidding. I know you've got music awaiting you downstairs, so um, not to mention not to mention the uh, potentially winning primary election stuff. So yeah. um, go go make music and enjoy things and uh, support your friend. And thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been really awesome having you. Yeah, thanks. I appreciate it. Thanks for doing this. It's, it's again, it's uh, just a great opportunity for. For networking and getting the word out, so, and you know, maybe we can do one of those. Maybe we can do a major jam night or something. Sometimes. Oh God, that would be so cool. cool. Well, okay, that totally commit, would. If you'll commit to coming to the Mazer Cup next year, I can start the wheels turning to arrange a Mazer jam. We can even have mm-hmm. our own suite. All right, just saying. I have some, you know, I'm a little bit of swing with the Mazer Cup, folks. Just a little. Just a little. <laughs> maybe a little. Well, it would be fun. It would be. Yeah, you know, we could do this. Okay, so, <laughs> cool. Just All saying, right. you know, and both of you have to come. I'm just saying. It's Boulder, yeah. Find a, find a minion to run the shop for you and come to Mazer Cup. I could do that. Yeah. I could do that. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> okay, so go make beautiful music, and uh, thanks for doing what you do, man. And I'll I'll find some way to get my hands on some more of your stuff and hook up with you guys, okay? Okay, thanks, you guys. Appreciate it. All right, thanks Have a great for night. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye-bye. So, pretty awesome. John Hamilton mm-hmm. from White Winter. Um, they're, honest to God, that was one of the very first commercial meads I ever tried outside of Chaucer's. So Chaucer's was the first one ever that I discovered mead, was having that at a Ren Fair. The first, like, at the time, Chaucer's was not the best mead in the world. Um, but... Um, then these guys came along, and I still don't remember how in the world I laid my hands on a bottle of it because they still don't ship to Michigan, and you know. Um, I think I was in Pittsburgh at the time, if I remember correctly. So that might have been how I got some. But anyway, it was you know I was just like, holy god! <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even know anything could taste like this. Is amazing, you know. So um, it was pretty cool. But um, I want to do another. I want to do another shout out for them real quick, and then we're going to head into uh, Luis. You still there? Yes, I am still here. Okay, great. We're getting ready to do the uh, Mead Back to Basics segment, so don't go anywhere. Um, but I want to do one last shout out for White Winter here on their behalf. Um, White Winter Winery specializes in handcrafted mead honey wine using Wisconsin-grown fruit and honey creating the drink of celebrations in northern Wisconsin since 1996, the year got me got founded too. Join us for our 20th anniversary celebration Saturday, July 2nd in Iron River, Wisconsin, White Winter. Drink deep, live wise. That's www.whitewinter.com. 
www.whitewinter.com. If you are anywhere near northern Wisconsin, you want to go to this. They do good music, too. So, um, just a shout so, out but to I John hope so. and Kim. Yeah, yeah, they do. Shout <laughs> out to John and Kim. Thanks so much, guys, for, uh, you know, for, um, for coming on and everything. And Kim, sorry you couldn't make it. The girlie sending you a virtual hug, man. Take care. Okay, so the next segment is new, um, and AJ is going to be running this part of the show. So, uh, AJ, knock yourself out, girl. <laughs> well, I'm halfway through this bottle of wine, so that is a distinct possibility. Yeah, well, let's try not to do it until we get done doing this part of the show, okay? Oh, all right, all right. <laughs> so we were trying to figure out what I could talk about, and I thought maybe starting to go with the commonly asked questions would be a really good idea because, you know, if people are asking these questions all the time, then there's got to be a reason for that. But uh, the first thing I was asked was about the basics. Gun at Zero Zero asked about the basics, so that's where I thought we'd start. Okay. So, uh, cool. For those that don't know what she's talking about, there's the questions that get asked on GotMead and on the Mead Facebook pages and stuff like over and over and over and, and over, over and over and over and over, over and over again. Yeah. So these are questions that are going to get answered on this show. So if you ask them again, we're just going to point you to this show and say, go listen. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right. So working with us. Um, uh, oh, okay. <laughs> Luis wants to go up back so we can listen and take notes. Yes, Luis, okay. you can close. You can close out of the Skype call and keep listening. Uh, just don't Thanks, turn your Luis. sound up on that end. Thanks for coming on, man. Um, but don't turn up your sound on your end until you've gotten out of the group call so that uh, we don't get an echo. But thank you so much for coming on. And thank you so much thank for you, too. Yeah. So uh, thank email you. me, Luis, and I'll, and I'll introduce you to some people, okay? Yes. Okay. I will keep hearing you in the north side, and uh, I will leave you the, the conversation here and take my notes as well. And uh, yes, we'll be in touch. I appreciate and, and regards from Costa Rica to everybody. Okay, thanks a lot, Luis. Awesome. Okay. Getting Luis out of there so we don't get echo. And all right, so um, kind of a bonus this call. Um, and I don't know if we'll be lucky enough to have. Um, fun people like these guys on for every call, but um, you know we'll see what we can do. We have got also from the Got Mead forums. We've got Manny El uh, Garesta. Uh, you can correct me, Manny, when I get you on the phone if I mess that up. <laughs> and uh, Ryan Carlson. So I'm going to bring them in now. And uh, Manny is Manny on the forums, and then Ryan is Squatchy on the forums. So we're going to bring them into. Uh, hang with AJ and me and uh, kind of contribute to the conversation to, uh, you know, just see what we happen. So we'll go ahead and the first one we're going to get here is Manny. And I guess there's just no way to make the ring go away. <sighs> yeah, one of these just, days we'll figure it out. Well, no, it's not that. We just need to do it during commercials. Behind the side, yeah. Behind the Hey, Manny, it's Vicky and, and AJ again. So uh, we got you on the group call. You are live and on the air. I'm going to go ahead and get Ryan in here, and uh, we're going to get the show on the road, all right? Excellent. Let's do it. Awesome, awesome. Thanks so much for agreeing to come and play tonight. So, uh, a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah, we're going to have a good time. All right, so next we're going to get... 
getting, so I can actually do this without concentrating really hard on it, which is good because you know most of that half bottle of wine that I had is gone. Uh, <laughs> you and me both. Yeah, I'm on the last glass of the half bottle of St. Ambrose mead that I was working on. Hello. Hey, Ryan. Okay, I got you Hi. and I got Manny both on with me and AJ. So everybody uh, out there in Radio Land, uh, say hey to Manny and Ryan, who's Squatchy on the forums. Manny is Manny on the forums, so that's easy. And uh, AJ. And AJ, of course, is Chevette Girl on the forums. AJ is Chevette Girl on the forums. Good. If you guys don't know that already, you need to go back and listen to the first 26 shows. Um <laughs> Actually, we don't say it as often as you'd think. We don't, do we? Okay, I will write that. We'll write that into the show notes because I didn't. Need, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, how many of them know that I'm webmaster on the, you know, stuff? Yeah. Um. Anyways, uh. So AJ, this is your this is your gig. So knock yourself out, girl. I'm just gonna hang back and I'll comment when I need to. All right. Well. Lately, our shows have been getting really in-depth with some really advanced procedures and, and concepts. But before you get to all that interesting stuff, you really want to start making consistent meads. I myself started out scattered in about a million directions, trying out all kinds of fun things, but not a lot of consistency. I couldn't effectively gauge how the changes I made actually changed my wines and meads, because even when I made the same recipe twice, it didn't always turn out the same. Let me be your bad example. If you want to go nuts experimenting, go ahead. This is supposed to be fun and not work. But while you're trying your 51 Spice Methaglin, Vicky, or playing with different yeasts, pick one recipe and make it over and over and over and over and over and over. 26 spices. (laughs) (laughs) I'm never going to live that one down, am I? (laughs) Nope, never. (laughs) But try to have at least one carboy committed to your practice batch. I admit it. Through the hundred and some batches I myself have made, I think I've only done about six traditional meads. Um, and some of my most consistent recipes are actually modifications on Joe's Ancient Orange, which is great for cranking out a decent mead quickly. But what about the long-haul batches? Maybe if I'd been more consistent about my procedures, I wouldn't have ended up with two batches that smelled like diesel fuel. So enough with the self-deprecating. Let's get back to basics. Where do I start? Well, it depends. Do you have a specific finished product in mind? Do you have ingredients at hand that you want to make the best use of? Have you got something going bad in the fridge that you want to work with? No, no, wait a sec, AJ, you're already too far ahead. I've never done this before. Where do I start? What do I need? Okay, let me ask you this. Have you tasted mead before? Do you know what you like? Because if you haven't and you don't, that's where I'd recommend you start. Get some mead. Try some mead. Try a bunch of different meads. Make notes. Figure out what it is you like, what it is you want. If you want uh, to take a look at an example of someone figuring out what it is that they like before they try making something and ending up with a five-gallon batch of something they don't like, I've got a thread on um, how do you figure out what you like in a beer. That's what I did with beer when I started making beer. I did, it, I did that the right way. I figured out what I wanted before I got headfirst into it. As opposed to mead, where I'm just making all kinds of stuff, whether I like it or not. So you've tried mead. You know you like it. You figured out how sweet or not sweet you like it. And you want to try making some. Well, now's the time to try out your Google Foo and see what you can find in the way of recipes and mead making methods. Of course, if you're here, you've probably already been doing that and are confused as all hell. So, where do we start? How about yeast? What is it? How does it make delicious, delicious mead? Well, most of us already know it's a a single-celled fungus that essentially eats sugar and excretes carbon dioxide and alcohol. 
And if you ever studied biology, you might recall that in our own bodies, cellular respiration is what keeps us going. And our cells essentially take oxygen and glucose, which is sugar, and turn it into energy and carbon dioxide. But we all know that we need more than just sugar to keep our bodies running properly. Any, any parent who's just gone through Easter knows this. Uh, and we need vitamins and minerals and proteins as well. Guess what? Yeast isn't so different. So when you pitch yeast into a batch, it's going to go through different stages. The first thing it's going to want to do is rehydrate, or if, if you're using a dry yeast, it'll want to rehydrate. And then what it's going to do is it's going to breed until it gets to a population level that it's comfortable with, which generally we refer to as the lag phase, which is an aerobic phase where the yeast actually need oxygen. And then once they have reached their critical capacity then they start fermenting, which is where they start turning their um, alcohol, they start turning the the sugar into alcohol. So, yeast have some needs, and so we're not going to go into, you know, the Oscar level specifics of yeast needs, but, you know, they need nitrogen, they need some oxygen at the beginning, they need nitrogen throughout the fermentation process, and, uh, hey, guys, you can jump in anytime because I'm starting to run out of stuff I've already prepared. <laughs> say she's got her notes now, you know. So, all right. Um, so, so what I got from that was you need to be nice to your yeast, and you should have a pretty good idea of what you like before you jump into this rather than just jumping into the 26 spice thing. I like spices. That's why I jumped into that. But um, well, that, that's been one of the questions that has come up time with people is did you try mead before you made your first batch and a lot of them hadn't yeah that was the, Which that I, was the first thing that i that i did when i uh when i first started i think if you if you look way back into the into like the first third or fourth post that i ever put on got mead it was um you know what mead should i try i went to we have uh like one of those big more wines or whatever and i i basically bought every mead that was there on the shelf and just tried them all, you know, and, you know, made little notes and saw what I liked and what I didn't like. Most of them tasted like uh, maple syrup, but mm-hmm. like they, they, I thought they went better on pancakes. Um, <laughs> but, um, you know, it was, it was that, it was that first, that, 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 that testing phase of just tasting and tasting and tasting that uh, helped me, like start at the right at the right place but then even then what i always tell people is when you're first starting to make mead there's two kinds of people who who come to mead either people who've never done any kind of fermented beverage before or people who've been brewing beer if you've been brewing beer you have kind of a head start on everything because you you're already you already know sanitation you already you don't know too much about yeast management because beer doesn't need anywhere near as much help. Um, the yeast for beer doesn't need as much help as the yeast for mead. Um, but you know, like what what beer needs, yeast uh, mead doesn't in a lot of ways. Like uh, you know, the, the strict temperature control and all that stuff. Although as you progress, all the stuff that I have found anyway that all the stuff that I didn't need to use for mead that I used to use for beer. I'm using them now anyway because, uh, but that's as you get more advanced. Um, 
you know, <laughs> you start to get just, I'm just as obsessed with sanitation and everything else now <laughs> for me than I was for beer anyway. So it doesn't, at the end, it doesn't matter. But, um, I always tell somebody make, tr- make a traditional or, or, or a jome or something like that. That's very, you know, get, get the basics down first. Um, and, and then, and then when go and go from there and, and, and do your research, you know, cause, uh, the, the sanitation, a lot of people don't understand the sanitation. They, they think that the brew day is the day that you start brewing. You know, you need to prepare uh, <laughs> at least two or three days before, make sure you have everything you need, make sure you used your, your Google and make, you know, that you have whatever it is you're going to need, whether you're making a basic dome which really doesn't need anything special. You can go to the supermarket and get everything pretty much. Um, or, you know, if you're making your first, uh, traditional need, make sure you have the specialized yeast, make sure you have all your, all your equipment ready, sanitized, ready to go. And a lot of that stuff, you really want to get, get doing it. Um, maybe the day before, or, you know, make sure at least you have like when I, when I, have a fermentation day i'm um, at least uh, two days before washing sanitizing making sure everything's ready and uh and and go from there you know it's it's a lot of the things that we take for granted if you especially if you've been doing it for a long time um it's it's important to tell the guys who are just starting out to um to like you know pay attention to these things you know like do you even the water a lot of people don't think of that they, they go there to the tap and they just get the tap water. You know, maybe you should think about that and make sure if you're going to make a five gallon batch, get five gallons of, of uh, spring water and make sure you have it, you know, cause it's happened to me where I'm sitting there with a, with a half gallon container taking an hour to, to, you know, on my refrigerator to get the filtered water, at least cause I forgot <laughs> to buy spring water. <laughs> you know. Um, but it's things like that. I think, um, are important uh, when, when you're first starting out. The, uh, like you said, the basics are, ba- are the actual basics, you know, equipment. Do, what kind of sanitation uh, sanitizer are you going to use? You know, StarSan, Idafor, which one? Do you know where to get it? Did you get it? <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, um, stuff like that. Uh, I don't know. Uh, anybody I like else? The, I like the did you get it because how many yeah. people come out and go, okay, so I have bleach. <laughs> right, yeah. and and I've seen that, you know, and it's like, and it's not that it's a bad thing necessarily, but it just illustrates the fact that I guess I'm not doing my job at saying, you know, this is what you have to have ahead of time, and um, so we need, we definitely need to rewrite that newbie guide to expand it, and yeah, and, you know, yeah, so that's yeah. definitely that's going to be a collaborative project. We've already talked about this offline, so oh yeah, uh, yeah, so that's going to happen. The newbie guide is going to get a major overhaul. I mean, um, when when it got originally written, it was amazing, and nobody had done anything like that. But it's time to update. It's, it's getting a little dated. It's yeah, ten years old. Yeah, it's time to update that puppy and expand it out. So, but yeah, I mean, it's amazing how many people come in and say, uh, "Okay, uh, I have honey. Now what?" Yeah. yeah exactly. Well. You were saying that there are two kinds of people who come to making mead. I found that there's three. There's the ones who've never fermented anything. There's the ones who've made beer. And then there's a, there are those of us who cut our teeth making wine. 
And you guys are the smaller ones, but yeah. Yeah, but I mean, it's it's interesting because once you've been sitting back and looking at posts from people, you can tell if they've brewed before, and usually by their by the way they use different words, you can tell whether they got their start in beer or wine. Sure, sure. You wort know, it, or, uh, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, if they say wort, you right. know they know you know they know beer, and you don't have to tell them anything about sanitation. Right. But um, you know, if I well, got my start patience. with wine, they don't know patience. Patience? Well, that's the thing. Why do we need Um, patience? From the perspective of a winemaker, you know, there's a lot of really good wine recipes out there, and a lot of them just say you can substitute honey instead. But what they don't tell you in those recipes is that honey has its own acidity. So, you know, when you're coming at it from um, from the perspective of a winemaker, a lot of research has been done on grape wine. So a lot of the fruit wine recipes try to attain similar sugar, acidity, tannin, nutrient levels to grape must. So what they do in the recipes is they ask you to add acid blend or lemon juice prior to fermentation. If you're using honey, don't. Because honey's got its own acidity and it'll mess with your pH and it'll take off your yeasties. Yeah, which is to say, guys, if you're out there doing a new recipe, don't come after you've already dumped a whole bunch of acids and whatnot into your meat and go, well, I added three teaspoons of malic acid. Why is it doing this? Yeah, um, no. Come yeah, now, beforehand and show us your recipe so that we can help you to figure out whether you even need that. Sometimes you do. It depends on what you're doing. But yeah, yeah but normally you need it for taste. You don't need, you don't need the wine. You, you don't need your must to be acidic because it's already going to be acidic because mm-hmm. ten, chances are you're adding fruit, which is acidic. And you're adding honey, which has its own acidity. And then when you add the yeast, they make even more acidity when they do their thing. Yeah. But I... Uh, I you know, you're welcome. <laughs> you're here. We want you here. <laughs> yeah, I personally got my start with winemaking. And the very first thing I did was a five-gallon wine kit with a brand new, you know, winemaker starter kit. And that had pretty much all the stuff I needed in order to get something decent into a bottle. And, you know, I recommend that as a good start. And anytime anybody asks me what equipment they need, pretty much the list of stuff on the beginner wine kit is what I will tell them. Because you can get along without pretty much all the rest of the stuff that I also use. But that stuff's pretty basic, and that's what you want. Yeah, maybe the coming from a, coming at it from a wine perspective is a little bit easier because I had to unlearn a lot of stuff after 20 years of making beer. Like when I started making beef. Well, like being obsessive about the, uh, about the, the sanitation. About, yep. I, uh, the main thing I had to unlearn was it's not going to be ready in a month. <laughs> <laughs> well, unless it's, you're making a bomb, in which case, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but even, even a bomb, uh, I, 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 I've, I've, I have a year-old bomb now, and it's awesome, you know. <laughs> and compared to what it was, which was a heck of a lot better than anything uh, like a D47 meat or something like that. But um, it, it's good. It's drinkable. But drinkable means, you you know, you're not, you know. I mean, it, it, com- compared to even just three or four months down the down the road, it gets so much better, you know. But so a, a bomb is a one-month meat, but it's not a one-month meat. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, just, like a, just like a JAO is a two-month mead, but it's not. I mean, yeah. I've actually still got yeah. a bottle of the very first one of those I ever I ever made bottled, and I'm probably gonna like open that when I start a meadery. <laughs> I've got I've got some bottles of a of a piment I made ages like almost ten years ago, and it you know I was I was Pete and I were collab- uh, he helped me with the back end fermentation management and stuff like that. So he's like, okay, add this. All right, now stir. Now add that. You know, so you know he kind of he kind of rode me. He, he kind of rode me hard and you know, <laughs> and basically forced me because I was like, no, we just pitch and wait. It's I'm a lazy butt. I don't want to be messing with this. I want to put the top on and forget about it till it's time to drink it. And he's like, you are an idiot. You're not gonna, you know. So yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. Pete, yeah. Pete's pretty frank with that. Me. That was the other thing. The the other thing that that was hard to do was to open that fermenter. Oh yeah, first, beer maker yeah. totally. Well, that goes back to that whole oh, yeah. uh, rabid sanitation thing from beer making, mm-hmm. right? Don't even yeah. breathe in the general direction of your of your bucket. <laughs> yeah, yeah don't I totally look at understand. If your dog comes in the kitchen when you're brewing. Oh no. Exactly. Whereas I'm I'm sure everybody by now has heard of the one th- the there's a there's a thread somewhere if you search the word ferret someone had his ferrets take a roll through his must once and they oh came out fine. <laughs> ferret mead. Ferret mead. <laughs> Oh, that's so funny. My dogs used to, I know, there was at least one or two times when I would be stirring or something, and one of my dogs would run in and, and, and like, look in, you know? <laughs> be like, what you doing, Mom? Is there food? You know? And it would be like, get away, get away! <laughs> you know? But, and, and, you know, another thing that I think that uh, that you probably didn't, that we're probably happy to unlearn uh, was the whole don't turn your back on the boil. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh, yeah. I did that uh, one time. Start- we were making beer, literally like turn around, open the fridge, turn back, and it was all over the top of the stove. <laughs> it was like, are you kidding me? They weren't kidding me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And the, the the awesome part is no boil. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. I hated boiling. No boiling. Yeah, I don't even heat anymore unless it's so caramelized or so um, car- uh, crystallized that I can't get it out of the jar, you know, in which case I'm, like, scraping it out and into a pot with some you water know, just enough to melt it so I can pour honestly, it. Honestly, I find it easier to measure when it's solidified. Well, it's that, so much yeah. easier to work. It's not messy and sticky and stringy, and you don't have to wipe up after it. <laughs> I don't know. I get chunks and bits all over the place and end up having just, like, this huge sticky mess, so I guess it depends. <laughs> <laughs> that and I've destroyed I don't know how many steel spoons that we had because the stuff is so stiff when it's crystallized. Oh, you know? yeah. I use uh, I use a set of metal measuring cups. Oh, okay. Yeah, how do you get? I mean, all the jars I've got, my gallon jugs, all got those narrow necks. I'd end up with honey up to my elbows if I did that. Ah, uh, yeah. See, I don't. I I get it in buckets. So yeah. Well, I have some in buckets, but I buy for specialty honeys, especially the more expensive ones. I don't. <laughs> That's buy fair. Gallon bales. Yeah. That's fair. Yeah, actually, yeah, we're really the, lucky uh, out here with the oh, yeah? with the honey. Very lucky. I I get it from a local a beekeeper. And that's, that's the other thing, like the, the beer sanitation would go nuts. I, I Now when I make a batch, there's there's bees in there, there's there's wax, there's all sorts of stuff. I just get mm-hmm. it from that five-gallon bucket and pour it in there. And who cares? The <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> fermentation will take care of it. Oh, yeah. See how rapidly he leaves his beer habits behind him. Until he makes beer. Yeah, right. <laughs> 
No, that's, that's not going to happen again. I, I, why, why should I make beer? I go to the store and there's 50,000 beers on the they shelf. They've made all the beers already. Yeah, why do we need to make them? Exactly. <laughs> they have it's not, actually however, what J.D. said. Yeah, he did say that. J.D. used to say yeah. that a lot. Yeah, why should I make beer? There's so much good stuff out there. Mead now, on the other hand, there's not a lot and, that we get to. And I love the fact that it's the wild, wild west. Somebody was telling me last week that we have literally a wide maybe it was I don't know, maybe it was you and I when we were talking AJ but it was it's a wide open frontier we can do anything we want there are no rules well except except when there are well yeah I mean there's fermentation <laughs> rules and stuff like that but what I'm saying is as to what you can put in there oh yeah it's almost unlimited not completely because there are just some things that don't ferment well you know and or that you don't want to try but the vast majority of things and combinations are fully possible they may not make great mead but you know you can try yeah and you know that's that's what when you were talking about water earlier you know that's one of the things that's been on my to brew list for friggin ever is try my mother's well water try the well water at the farm where i used to work try city water try distilled water and try spring water and see do you know the same bat with the same honey and the same yeast and do a, a a gallon of each and see how it comes out how they differ what they taste like you know that that's the kind of experimenting that is very valuable when you're trying to figure out what affects what yeah, yeah. Is, I've, you know, I've been doing this, I guess, coming out of, up on five, maybe four or five years now. I I have yet to make anything that's a fruit meat. I'm still trying to perfect uh, the, the the traditional. Mm-hmm. You know, I, and, and that's what I've been doing, just different honeys, different yeasts, different water, different uh, uh, different types of uh, nutrient addi- you know, additions, uh, all that kind of stuff. And it, it's a it's a great tool, uh, and here that's where the patience comes in. <laughs> you know, it's four years, and I'm still not happy with my my traditional. You know what I mean? But <laughs> I don't know that the traditional I made three years ago isn't going to be the one that I want in five years. Which brings me to my other basic: keep records. Yeah. Oh yes. I can't you know, tell you how many times records. I've had to, people are emailing me going, "So I made this strawberry mel." And I don't know why it tastes like ass, you know, and it's like... What did you do? What did you I do? don't know. Well, I just threw some strawberries and somebody, I'm like, you don't have a recipe? Well, I kind of do, and what about your notes? Well, I didn't really take notes. I'm like, then we can't talk. <laughs> I Try it again, you. keep yeah. notes, and if it happens again, then we can help you. I will email them back and go, so you need to send me your complete recipe and all your notes, and then in parentheses say, you did take notes, right? Right. Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, we get a lot of that. I, I see that a lot on Got Mead, and they just don't take no- It's like, seriously? I mean, even when I was a noob, like a total wet-behind-the-ears noob making my first batch, I obsessively, I wrote down, like, 3 p.m., day two. That's why I took obsessive notes as yeah. a noob, because I was a noob. Because I was a noob, yeah, and I had no idea And if I, I screwed anything up, then, then I could t- figure it out from the notes, exactly. except I can't. Yeah, but. well, I mean, the infamous 26 spice uh, <laughs> meth, you know, it, it basically said 
26 spices, throw them in this bucket, add this much honey and water, stir it up, put the top on, throw in the yeast and wait. You know, and, and it was like, okay, and then what? Because <laughs> it didn't say. It, it didn't have any of that. So I was like, okay. So, uh, you know, and I had at that point read some, and I had notes from things that I was learning about meat, and the very beginnings of the tendrils of got meat had started to form up. But, um, you know, so I had some idea, but really not a lot. So, so I'm like, every day, I'm literally like 8 a.m., check the must. There are some bubbles. Not sure what to make about this. 10 p.m., Blah 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 blah. You know, I mean, it was stupid how much notes I took. Like f- five pages of but notes. But that's good. Yeah, and and you know, and so it blows my mind that people are going in and going, well, I just threw this shit in a bucket and threw the top on it with some yeast in there, and you know, and just like I have no idea what I'm doing. And it's like, well, yeah, and you still have no idea what you're doing. Yeah, I mean, how are you ever going to repeat it if you don't know what you did? If it turns out to be amazing. That's exactly the reason why I take notes in case it happens to be amazing. Yeah, yeah, not to avoid if it was terrible as to what if it's amazing, you know? Yeah, because honestly, my notes haven't, you know, I've had a couple of batches that have turned out terrible. And there's one or two where I know what I did wrong, but there's a couple where I have no friggin' idea. Oh, yeah. Those two batches that turned into diesel, no friggin' clue. Not a clue, yeah. The only I wish thing I, I could say this. I'm sorry, go ahead. No, go. Go ahead. Well, when you were talking about that, I was thinking of the total opposite. I've made a couple batches where I was concentrating on making, quote, the real batches, and I just happened to toss some crap together, and and it turned out amazing. In fact, probably the best meat I've ever made in the world. I don't even have a clue how I got there because I was just thinking, this is just extra junk. I'll toss it in over here and let it rip. Mm-hmm. And Never it did. turned it out wonderful, and I don't even have a, a learned, clue how to start. learned your lesson, didn't you? <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> yeah, like even, even my cleaning out the freezer batches, I weigh and measure everything on the way in in case it's friggin' amazing and I want to do it again. Not yeah. that I ever will, but in case I wanted to, I could. I have to wonder how many people have a, I made this friggin' amazing meat and I have no idea how story, because I have one too. I was, I had a batch of strawberry that was going to be, it was based on the gold medal winning home um, meat comp, uh, strawberry mead from Mazer Cup 3, I think it was, and, um, which I got to sit the, I got to sit the best of show table for that and I fought hard for that mead. Uh, it was so good. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but anyway, um, it was based on that recipe. And so I was going to do a five gallon batch of that and I was doing it with meadow foam. And then I had just an orange blossom traditional that I was doing as a sweet. And I don't know what I was thinking. I pitched the orange blossom traditional with, I think it was Y yeast, sweet meat yeast, what the hell I was thinking. I don't know. (laughs) And, um, you'd think I'd learn, but anyway, it was like the last time I've used that. And I can't remember the yeast I was using with the strawberry. I'd have to go back and check my notes, but this, we had one of those 40 degree in the middle of the day temperature swings and we went from like 49 overnight to plus 80 um, Fahrenheit mm. during the day so and I didn't have the air or the heat on because we'd been kind of hanging out in the 50s and 60s so I didn't need it right mm-hmm. so so the house my house is full of windows all facing east so when the sun came up and just kind of went nova you know it was uh, you know the house temperature went up to like 80 and I was out and about all day and so I got home and this mead had just like turned into a fermentation volcano, gone completely dry in less than 24 hours, the strawberry. And, mm. and, the, and the orange, at about the same time, for God knows what reason, just totally stalled and just refused to restart no matter what I did. And I talk and I pitched champagne yeast, that thing, and it's just like, nope, not going to do it. You know, so, 
So here I am with 10 gallons of mead, one a super sweet, sickeningly make your fillings fall out, uh, orange blossom traditional, and a what was supposed to be an award-winning strawberry mead recipe burned dry. And, <laughs> and I'm just like, this sucks. So, I, you know, what are you going to do? I'm going to throw out 10 gallons of half of which was meadow foam. Yeah, that ain't happening. Oh, God. Yeah, I'd turn that into meadow foam vinegar before I'd throw out a drop of it, you know. Yeah. So, so I thought, fine, all right, let's 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 do this. So I got two more five-gallon pails, and I mixed the two batches, half and half. And um, and uh, let them, you know, let them kind of hang out for a while. Eventually racked them and was thinking, this isn't going to work, this isn't going to work, this isn't going to work. And they came out, they were actually turned out to be one of my best meads ever. Yeah, and you could never recreate that because, no, you know, exactly. you're not going to turn up the heat under your under no, your strawberry. No, not under, no. Uh, so, but yeah, so that was one where, you know, all the notes in the world wouldn't help me. I actually have all the notes, but, you know, mm-hmm. it was, but I think everybody's got one of those. But, you know, it goes back to... Like you were saying, I had that stuff I just threw in there because it looked seemed like a good idea at the time, and now I don't know what I did. Kind of stuff, you know. Yeah, that happens. That happens quite a bit. Oh, oh, really? It does. Oh, you have not quite a bit. You have not learned yet. What's wrong with you? How long have you been asking? <laughs> I'm sorry. We're gonna have to put you on double secret. I was. I am clueless. Probation. <laughs> <laughs> I've got to I'll have to make a special group for that. For I, I can't. I, I refuse to learn probation. Something. <laughs> That's funny. Well, to be fair, <laughs> when I learned making group, you know? <laughs> I, I needed to be in that group for a long time because I had picked up some bad habits as a winemaker. You know, oh, really. Well, I did add acidity up front because that's what the book said to do. Well, yeah, I did too for the first few batches because they all said first you add the tartaric, then the citric, because it said so. Yeah, exactly. Well, you, can't be, and, you can't be blamed for following instructions, right? No. Yeah. Well, yeah, but no. <laughs> well, the, to to be fair, I can't remember exactly when I came to Got Mead, but I started my first Joe's Ancient Orange about two or three years after I started making mead. And that was the recipe that eventually led me to got mead. So I've been making mead without got mead for quite some time. So this is why I say I am the bad example. I did it all in the opposite order in which normally you should. And I did everything backwards and I did everything wrong. And somehow I came out okay most of the time. You know, I haven't made I haven't made vinegar except when I've wanted to. And I've managed to, you know, all the traditionals that I've made, even though there haven't been very many of them, I've been happy with them. Now, I don't know whether that's because I was just lucky or whether I don't have very high standards, but I like all the traditionals I've made. Well, and I mean... Yeah, well, a lot of, a lot of you guys are lucky to live in a, in a good climate, too. Well, where, um, are you, where are you located? Miami Beach. Oh, oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, then it limits you to about three different yeasts, so many. K1. Oh, yeah. Yeah, what do you v, got? Huh? We got like a five-minute window where it's not stupid hot? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's about, it's about five minutes, yeah. It, yeah. it, was, uh, it was 89 degrees today. We're going to get six inches of snow tomorrow. There you go. I had yeah. 27 inches in my yard uh, last week. And where are you? In Denver. Oh, yeah, y'all got dumped on. Yeah, yeah, big time. Yeah, and then yesterday it was 70. 
It was 80 here yesterday. It didn't top 60 today, and we're supposed to be below freezing this weekend. It's and I'm in North Carolina, so yeah, go figure. And people, yeah, well, we didn't. Are like losing their minds. <laughs> we didn't go below freezing for like a week and a half a couple of weeks ago, and now we haven't been above freezing in a co- in the week. So you know, it's Canada. <laughs> Yeah, but I think that's a, uh, well. If we're if we're gonna if we're gonna talk about basics, I think that's another another basic. It's don't let your meat get too hot. But most people don't have to I worry think, about. It. I, I, I totally agree with you, Manny. I think that temperature control and your feeding protocol are the two most important things of all. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and the feeding protocol is where a lot of people get really confused. I think. Um, because there's so much information out there that's conflicting, and it's yeah. a bunch of old school stuff that people, when they first come in, they don't know that it's old school. Some people don't care to know the new school. I know people that still pitch and put their stuff away for ten pitch years, and, wait, and it's man. like, yeah. well, don't you want to learn the, the newest stuff? And three months, ah, no, I'm all, I'm all good, and just, whatever, dude. Okay, it works. Yeah, well, it works. you know, that's yeah. what they don't mind. You know, that's okay. You know, I was, I was saying that, know, but... I was saying that to Vicky during our, our chat before the show started. Is I've got a recipe that I make a lot, which is my uh, my maple mead, and I used to just throw it all together, put an airlock on it, and wait a year and call it good. And mm-hmm. I actually tried doing it properly with aeration and staggered nutrients, and you know it. I'd started using Energizer at that point, and I actually like it better the old way because I find it goes yeah. too dry the new way. Yeah. So you know, what are you going to do? You know, I, I I like what I like, and I like it the way I like it, and I know it's wrong, and I still like it. Well, and that's the thing, and I think that's the beauty of mead is there's there's the, there's two schools there's the it's got to be perfect show quality a judge would think it was a five you know was a total you know 50 pointer mead and then there's the i like the way it tastes and you know yeah i know that i'm not quote unquote following the rules such as they are but i like it this way it's mine and i like it this way and and i think that the answer is you know somewhere in the middle is uh Lay down some good habits and know that uh, within mead, as a discipline, if you will, um, it's there's so much flexibility. It's not funny, but at the same time, be aware of what can be, not what should be, but you know what the possibilities are. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but at the same time, I think it's important for, especially for people who are just starting out, who are going to make their first mead. Uh-huh. You know that they have a. a, a pretty predictable set of rules to go by, yeah. like mm-hmm. uh, like Dome, where you know that it's going to give you a good mead, because I don't know how many times you probably get a guy who tries it, out, tries it out, and it sucks, because he did everything wrong, he's like, nah, I'm not interested in mead, mead sucks. Yeah, you because know? he didn't, follow the, he didn't follow the directions, yeah. Yeah, he yeah that, or, that... or he, he didn't get the right directions. Oh, yeah, true. Well, and... And one of the oh policies... yeah, that, that's another one of those ones is people who complain about Joe's Ancient Orange when they didn't follow the recipe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, or they got the recipe that somebody bastardized and put up someplace else. I mean, there's the way Joe wrote it, which if you follow it, works almost every yeah. time. I mean, I don't know that I've ever seen that one crash and burn. It, I'm sure it's out there, but 
I the only times I've ever had it crash and burn is when I've messed with it. Right, exactly. But I've also but, had a lot of times when I messed with it turn out to be really, you know, one of my absolute favorites is a bastardization of Joe's. Well, hell, what the largest thread on Got Mead is the what I've done with my JAO thread, you know. Um, it started out yeah. as here's the recipe, and, and then it's like 4,682 pages of people going, and here's what I did, and this was great, you know. So, yeah, I mean, you could totally do that. But, I mean, honestly, okay, I'm a big fan. I like to cook. Um, and if you look at me, you can tell I like to cook. Um, <laughs> but um, I like to cook, and I enjoy trying out new recipes. But the thing I've learned through trial and error and a whole lot of, like, really bad-tasting failures is follow the recipe as it was written. If you have a recipe, read the effing recipe and follow the effing recipe. And Just you know, once. Just once once yeah just once and, and then i mean after once my husband and i will make it and we'll sit there and we'll eat it and we'll look at each other and go yeah but it needs something more garlic maybe and we'll go yeah okay we'll try that next time and so the next time we'll start futzing with it and that might work or it might not but at least we know what it's supposed to taste like yeah i mean all of i think i've made something like 30 gallon 30 different batches of variations on joe's ancient orange i've made it to spec once yeah exactly yeah. once same, same and here, that's when yeah. i discovered that you know the orange pith gives me heartburn so now yeah. i only use the zest and the juice yeah but even still that's a variation on it because i'm not using i'm not doing it the exact way joe said to not throwing in the whole orange yeah exactly so but i mean that's what i think it comes down to we've got an infinite number of possibilities inside our genre if you will but at the same time like you guys were saying there are some there are some rules that if you follow them will produce predictable results. Learn those first, then yeah. then strike out into uncharted territory and make durian mead or pot mead or whatever it is you want to make. You know, beet mead. You know, make something crazy and, and wild. But if you don't already have good habits created, if you haven't already learned the rules that we know work, how do you create a good recipe and then create a good mead from that? You can't. Well, that's well, another can, thing too. Is usually, you know. <laughs> <laughs> that's another thing too, though. Is you know, do it according to the recipes until you understand why you're doing what you're doing. There you go. And then once you understand why you're doing what you're doing, then you can mess with it. Like it, it's like learning that's, that's to bake. Totally agree. It, it's like learning to bake. You figure out what ingredients are the chemistry and what ingredients are the fun part. Yeah. You don't go make a loaf of bread and go, yeah, well, you know, I, I'm not really, I'm not really feeling this white flour, so I'm going to, you know, I'm going to replace this with, oh, I don't know, let's see what we got in the cupboard. Yeah, um, cornflakes. Corn yeah, yeah, no. Cornflakes looks good. Let's do that. Why does this not taste like bread? You know, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, people have to learn the, the difference between a recipe and a formula. Yes. And a lot of times with baking is formulas and so good is meat point. making you know that's an excellent formula, that's a, a really good point yeah you're right i mean honestly i think they all are to a certain extent because what's going on when you make meat i mean once you throw the crap in the bucket and close the door um is a chemical reaction so they're all formulas really right yeah. so you understand the why then you can look at other recipes that you might be considering and you can see that they've got things that aren't going to work written in there. That's, mm -hmm. We see that all the time when we say, well, post up your recipe. And unfortunately, they don't do that before they get started. They, they yeah. come for help after they've already messed everything up. Yeah. 
And that, yeah, despite the fact that we tell them in the directions to post your recipe. Yeah. Tell us what you want to do, and then we'll help you make that look good. So, well, yeah. it's too bad. Too bad everybody don't understand that, huh? Well, yeah, I mean, one person at a time. We just knock them down one person at a time. Eventually, we'll get to everybody. It just might take a while. There you <laughs> go. Yeah. <laughs> i got to start training an apprentice. I really do. I'm not going to live forever, you know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm totally amazed how many people want to count bubbles instead of buy a hydrometer. I oh, know. my God. Can you believe that stuff? That blew me away. I saw that one. I was just like, really? Okay, <laughs> if you're going to... It, it's everywhere. Gonna... You go on Facebook at the different groups, and everybody, they want to talk about bubbles and bubble speed, and they don't have a clue of what... They don't know what a hydrometer even is. Okay, you know what? I use my airlock as an indicator of, okay, it started bubbling. That means something's happening. It yes. stopped bubbling. Right. Okay, it means it's something... St- not happening anymore. Or at least that's not when at it's a time to get at the hydrometer. It. Yeah. At, at, at that point, you're like, okay, something slowed down. We need to check and see where we're actually at and, oh, I don't know, measure something. It's like your check mm-hmm. engine light. It doesn't actually tell you anything. It just says you should go have a look. Yeah. That's a good, that's a good analogy right there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah okay. I'm going to write that but one down. Too. Yeah, write that one down. Yeah, we'll, we'll put that up as, uh, you know, <laughs> AJ quotes of the week. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh god yeah but, i mean it's funny and and you know for you beginning mead makers out there i know the experienced mead makers are all just kind of laughing behind their hands because we've all done this shit don't tell me you haven't i know you have so i'm just looking at you right now I told you i'm the bad ex- yeah just you know all the people out there laughing behind your hands going haha you newbies yeah uh, you did it too and yes i'm looking at you um so, yeah, I mean, we've all been there. I made some god-awful stupid mistakes. Mead making, that's how I learned. But when when I started doing this, there weren't any damn directions anywhere. The, you know what I had to deal with? Uh, the, okay, the first recipe, the twenty-six, the infamous 26 spice <laughs> recipe, was, and still is, in a book about witchcraft. <laughs> for making ritual drinks for witchcraft ceremony. I still have the book. Nice. I'm actually, I'm actually going to go fetch it back out and verify that I wrote the recipe down correctly, and then I'm going to bring it to the forum, and we're going to take that thing apart and put it back together again and make it work. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it would be fun to reformulate it, you know, because I know it's got possibilities that eventually did turn good, so there's just something wrong with the beginning part. But anyway, um, what I saw when I was out there researching and creating the, the very first pieces of what turned out to be Got Meat eventually, um, I had SCA recipes, which for my SCA friends out there who might be listening, this is not saying SCA recipes are bad, but a lot of SCA recipes were coming from and derived from recipes created in the 12th century and the 15th century. Yeah, and like the one that tells you to throw a chicken into it. That one's great. Yeah, I love that one. Well, there were a lot of them that the way they fermented it was to throw a piece of bread in there because that was how you attracted the wild yeast and the thing molded, blah, blah, blah. You know, and, and you know, at the time it was More good. comfortable with that than throwing a chunk of chicken in. Oh, I actually cleared a mead using a raw egg because that's what the recipe called for. Yeah, it works. It, you'd be amazed at how well it drags out particles. It's not the most sanitary way in the world to do it, but it worked. You know. Well, you know what? I'm pretty you sure really the chicken s- was for pH control. Probably, yeah. Actually, I thought it was <laughs> for... Did the chicken have feathers or not? I thought the chicken was actually for um, uh, nitrogen. Oh, it might have been, yeah. It might have been. Because, um, uh, you know, it had chicken poop on its feet, and chicken poop is very high in nitrogen, so... Protein. Protein is nitrogen. Protein and and nitrogen. There you go. Um, But, yeah, so, I mean, that's the thing. So, I mean, a lot of the SCA recipes were basically, um, you know, 
people translating into you know English we could, that regular people can understand mm-hmm. recipes that were written four, five, six hundred years ago. Not to say they're bad recipes, but that the techniques that they used would not necessarily produce a mead you could drink right away. Or, you know, ever sometimes. So, and yeah. a lot of those recipes were what I had in my collection and what became the first recipe sent got me, you know, because it was all I had. You got to start somewhere. Yeah, well, it was all that was out there at that point in time. And then I and discovered then you... Acton and Duncan and Kime and, you know, um, Ken Shram. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, you know, and, you know and, and things started to change. But, but that's a lot of people. I see recipes from that I had, you know, and that they've probably gotten someplace else because I've taken them down since, that were on the old Got Mead before we moved to the new platform. That, you know, are ones that say, okay, now it's time to throw in your three different types of acid. Well, yeah. You know, I've only been doing this for a year and a half. And if I go back to what was the current thing to do back then, I would say now, today, I would say, no, don't do that. Yeah, it keeps changing. It keeps progressing. Well, I think the important thing for a beginner to remember is that even doing a little bit of something is better than not doing any of it at all. Yeah. You know, a little bit of nutrients, a little bit of energizer is still better than none at all. A little bit of aerating is still better than none at all. You know? And the the book that I started out with was uh, The Joy of Home Winemaking by Terry Gary, which is... It's a great book, but it's really not in-depth in the science, and it's not completely accurate in a couple of places. Yeah. And, you know, it, it's a really good start, and it's it's a good read, and it's got a lot of nice recipes, but you sort of have to update the recipes for what we now know about mead making. Well, and honestly, yeah, I, start, I started with the... I'm sorry, I started with the Acton and Duncan book, mm-hmm. and I, I remember really that in the first... <laughs> Yeah, it tells you to add acid. Yeah, it does. <laughs> yeah, well, it's the same thing as Terry Gary because you're you're emulating a wine must. Because that's and all we know mean, how yeah. those all the research has been done on wine must, and we know how wine must behaves. We know how grape wine must behaves. So of course you want to make it act as much as possible like a wine must, so that you know how it behaves, right? Yeah. Unless you're using honey, in well, which case it changes the rules. And and quick quick uh, commercial sidebar here. Um, the AMMA is actually working with uh, UC Davis, which, of course, you know, Robert Mondavi Institute is the holy grail of wine studies. You know, you can all bow down the floor now. You know, we're not worthy. Um, but, we're not worthy. Yeah, we really aren't. Uh, but anyway, uh, Mondavi is really, really interested in the mead, you know, marketplace, in, in mead as a drink. And they want to, there's the, there's the Honey and Pollination Center within the Institute that wants to make more studies of mead. Now, some of the top fermentation experts in the world are at UC Davis. I mean, this is like, I mean, you go there, if you, had, if you ever get the opportunity to go to one of their symposiums that they have three, four times a year on mead making, don't, you know, walk don't walk, run, get your ticket, go. I've been to, I went to the first <laughs> one and it was like, wow. I sat there with my mouth open for like two days. Um, you know, it was, it was great. But um, anyway, what they're doing is planning on doing studies on mead fermentation and how that really works. So updating all of this, everything's based on wine stuff and letting us create our own set of science. You know? And mm-hmm. the AMMA is working with them, and part of what they make in dues and raise as funds is going to go to help fund a um, go, uh, to help fund a uh, um, trust. Fund, uh, what do you call it? A, a ah, 
anniversary? Yeah, yeah, pile of money for them to use to do. Yeah, yeah hopefully a big pile of money. Um, the word is escaping me. This is what happens when you get old. Um, a foundation? Not, not a foundation. Just a, uh, just a um, grant. Yeah, thank you. A grant. There I don't go. know why the word. Yeah, they're just put together, putting together a grant, trying to get enough buy-in to create enough money so that they can basically fund this research to go there you know and ken tram started with a lot of this and there's been a couple of other books published that kind of carried forward with more of that so stuff is happening but it's all on a small sort of individual scale these guys are trying to say let's do this sort of officially you know and create that basic foundation of stuff so that like this is ours just so that you're doing it under lab conditions instead Mm -hmm. of bench conditions exactly so it's like official research by one of the top fermentation organizations anywhere. And, um, you know, and that would basically be sort of the foundational and seminal work, if you will, to build upon for the rest of the, you know, for the rest of the mead-making world. Mm-hmm. So end of, end of commercial sidebar, but I just had to get that out there because the AMMA is working really actively with them to do that. So if you're not already a member, now's a good time. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to join. Good. I already did. I got to upgrade to commercial though. I'm joined as an individual, and I really have to just go ahead and cough up and join as a as a trade member. But I haven't gotten around to it. Well, it's my understanding that they're considering making a a in between uh, membership that's not completely the. I think what is it, 450 for the pros and. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's called a. Uh, it's called a. Uh, I don't know what the official want to name be is. a metery type yeah, thing. Yeah, it's, it's a wannabe. But, yeah, it's a wannabe metery membership, basically for uh, metery that's yeah. uh, that's on the way, but not. You're not a metery yet. You're not Got a metery. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So you're on the way, but you're not quite open, and you want to um, learn how to get open. Yeah. yeah. That's a really good idea. Yeah, it's like so, an incubator type of situation. Totally, it's an incubator. Okay, so basically, what it gets you. Okay, continuing the small commercial sidebar. Because I'm on the board at the MMA, so um, I get to hear a lot of what's going on behind the scenes. And what the thinking is is that the new, the the almost meteries that are in process um, are, you know, basically suck, you know, stocking all their, to- tossing all their money at permits and 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 locations and so on and so forth. And at the same time, are the people most in need of uh, the resources that are available behind the scenes at the AMMA, and that is being able to talk directly to successful meadery owners mm-hmm. to find out what did they do and how did they make that work to take advantage of all of the stuff they've just got back there to help them build their business, get their loans, go to the bank, whatever it is that they're trying to do, um, you know, and get that. So this in-between uh, or almost metery thing basically gets you a, a, a year at that discount. And it may be a year or until you launch. I'm not sure how they're going to do that. But basically it gets you that in-between pricing. So you're above personal and have access to more stuff, but below completely pro so you don't have to pay as much money, but still have access to all the pro stuff. Yeah, so it's going to be pretty awesome when they get that all completely in place, and I think it's going to happen pretty soon. That's great. Yeah, yeah, so, um, but yeah, I mean, the, the basic the basic thing with noobs, though, I mean, it seems to me like the basic thing is to be basic. Follow directions. Yeah. Take notes. Right, and don't start with, you know, 75 uh, uh, spice meat. 
<laughs> 26, <laughs> all right? Let's just say. Anyway. <laughs> and the number's getting bigger. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? It's going to be 127 spiced meads soon. I wish I even know that many spices. <laughs> yeah, you know, start, start with everything basic. Start with just, you know, honey, nutrients, water, and, and yeast, you know, and, and go from there, you know. But I, I, I think the main thing uh, for a lot of people, especially the, the total noobs, no one, so people who've never done any kind of fermentation before, is make that jone, make that jone. It's, it's foolproof. You know? And Honestly? it teaches everybody to follow directions. Actually, one of my suggestions is get a wine kit and follow the directions there. Mm-hmm. Learn how to follow Cause, directions. Yeah, because the directions <laughs> with the wine kit, they will teach you some of the skills you're going to need later on for like bottling and you know, checking from you, you know checking um, checking hydrometer and all of that stuff. You know, it doesn't teach you anything about what's actually going on, but it teaches you the procedures you should be following. Yeah, that's good. I would agree with that. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> I would agree with that, except a lot of the kit stuff, they tell you to do things that we wouldn't tell you to do making meat because they've already figured it out in the backstory, and they're trying to make it as simple and as uh, impossible to mess up as they can, so they try to take out all of the um, arbitrary things Oh, yeah, I dry-pitched for years. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, oh, why, why, why do a starter when you can just rip the top off the package and dump it in the bucket? And you know what? <laughs> you know what? It worked most of the time. I, I don't think I ever... You know, the only ones that I ever had die on me were the Y.E. Sweetmeats, the Sweetmeats Smack Packs. No, I, I had... that ever die. I actually had two dud packages of EC1118. And I know they were dud packages because I tried to make, you know, it's like, that's not working. Okay, there's another one from the same batch. Did these get left out in the sun or something? And I couldn't get either of them to start. I even, you know, the second one, I tried making a starter out of it. Didn't work. So I had dud yeast. But, you know, aside from that, no. That doesn't count because you can get dud yeast, you know what I mean? Yeah, it happens. But, like, okay, maybe my fermentations didn't finish, but I like them sweet anyway. Yeah, me too. You know, they may not have gone as far as they could have, but they still went. I'm not 100% sure of is um, should a newbie make a five-gallon batch or a one-gallon batch? Because I don't know if a one-gallon batch is more volatile due to the small volume. I think it's more volatile. It's going to, the temperature swings is going to be more extreme. Um, That's probably the biggest thing that I would say a bigger batch will, will Ebb and flow with the temperature fluctuations in your house a lot slower than a single gallon. Yeah, well, the first batch I made was a five-gallon wine kit, and I'm like, holy crap, how am I ever going to drink this all? And, (laughs) oh, my God, that's a lot of bottles, and, oh, my God, what am I going to do, and how do I do all of this? And um, I moved into, um, I did a lot of one-gallon batches of small things because I was working with fruits that were difficult to process or difficult to get a lot of, stuff like uh, red currants and, you know, raspberries that I picked myself, that type of thing. And so I did a lot of one-gallon batches, and a lot of them turned out really well, too, but I found that I didn't get, I didn't end up with enough. So uh, my personal preference is three-gallon batches because... I like you when I first started looking at a gallon. I'm going, I'm not going to wait for 
here to drink that because it'll be gone the first night I open it up. I know, right? <laughs> All my friends will be here yeah. and it'll be like, that's only two and a half bottles, really? That's hardly worth it. I don't even need friends. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I do, but yeah, I do the, too, uh, yeah. the, the thing is with a three gallon, like I have trouble lifting a five gallon carboy. I'm little, I admit yeah. it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And it doesn't matter how many horse buckets I had to fill, I still have trouble picking up the full five-gallon carboys. And I they're can... made of glass, and if I drop one of those, it's a bad thing. Yeah. I, I like the three-gallon sure. size. I can do it. I, you're right. Three gallons a lot more doable, but I can lift a five-gallon. The only time that five-gallon is going up above the floor is when it's time to rack. And yeah. So I just time that so the husband's home can help me. <laughs> you know, or... You well, know. you can't always pull out the husband car. Well, no, that's true. And that's, sometimes you don't want to, but true, you know, yeah. you know, five gallon batches are doable. But I, I found myself that as a beginner, three gallon batches were just the right size because they give you about a case. That's true. Yeah, and you know, it gives you about a case, and that's enough to you know figure out how it works when it ages, and you know, it, it's big enough that you're not going to be subject to sudden temperature fluctuations, and you can lift the damn thing. Well, that and your friends could help you drink it, and there's enough to go around. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Unless, unless they're you know, unless they're you guys, and you know, then it's yeah, okay. But you know, then you you're know, only when you were talking, them. I was thinking, unfortunately, because I'm still able to lift a, a 12 gallon carboy. I don't necessarily like to, but I, I went from making like four or five single gallon batches to threes, and then right away I jumped up to fives, and now I make it in a trash can in my bathtub. Oh, my God. Yeah, in a couple of weeks, we got John Talkington, who, Brimminghorn Meadery, but he's also really mm. active as a home meat maker. And um, he's, uh, he's like, I don't know if you've ever seen pictures of the guy, but he's a big bear of a guy. I mean, he's just built like, like, rawr, you know. <laughs> and, um, and, and apparently, he's quite the weightlifter, because dude can, like, deadlift a 400-pound barrel. Well, I watched him. It's like, he was doing it one day, and I'm like, oh, my God. Yeah. Well, I, I have a 15-gallon demijohn, and I calculated it. That thing full weighs more than I do. Yeah. And it's yeah. one of those really thin thin glass ones in the basket, you oh, know. Well, those things will break if you look at them hard. They're beautiful, but I hate to look. I hate to have them because they're so breakable. Well, I I have it perched up on high, and I fill it from I, – I, I stand milk crates up on the desk, <laughs> and I siphon into it from ah. my five-gallon buckets. Now, my dream kitchen has shelves where the meat is on the shelf, depending on, you know, which shelf, depending on where it is in the stage. Yeah, um, what stage it's in. Right, yeah. You know, so it starts out like... So you on ferment the, on your top shelf. Yeah, and you ferment on the next. top shelf and then keep moving it down until it's in aging and then it's underneath the cabinet, yeah. right? You know, so I don't know. The, in my mind, that's how it works. In reality, yep. probably not so much. First because, you know, eventually we have to sell this place, and I can just see the potential buyers going, what the, hell? What the hell's with this kitchen? You know, because there's all these carboys lined up on different, and my husband just doing a face palm and going, yeah, yeah, yeah there goes another one, you know. <laughs> so, yeah, um, but, I mean, what, what should we do next week? I mean, we're, after 11, here we go again. We're, you know, we're just going to make the show until we're going to, like, 4 o'clock in the morning, and... Yeah. Well, I'm sure a lot of listeners are probably going, come on, man, let's get on to the meat. I don't want to just sit and listen to a bunch of chatty cappies. I know. So (laughs) for you guys, I'd like to speak to you who's ever out there going, come on, let's get on with it. We will. We we will be giving you very good information along the way. I expect we'll start at the very beginning and each week talk about 
the process, and then the following week we'll be talking about the very next process. And so over a period of take notes, and I'm sure we'll be posting them on the web and whatnot. But um, we're going to step you through from the very beginning to the to the time where you put your stuff in a bottle or a cake, whatever you want to do. Yeah, yeah I, 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 I think that's fair. a great idea. We come up with a a three gallon beginner's mead batch Ooh, that yeah. everybody can make. You know? Ooh, I like that. I can yeah, take that right out of my brew log, my very first traditional. All right. So, um, <laughs> okay. So, I will, uh, I've got email addresses for both you guys, I think. Yeah. Man- Manny what, and Ryan. Could, could somebody send, send it so that all four of us have each other's emails and well, that, that way we can correspond with do. each other? Yeah. I was sure. just going to like send it, you know, send an email to all four of us and then that way we can just kind of keep that conversation going. And sure. Right. Yeah. Okay. So, all right, guys. So here's here's your okay, listeners out there. Here is your assignment. Should you choose to accept it, and this recording will self destruct in five seconds. So you might want to get away away after you listen to this. Um, for those of you old enough to remember Mission Impossible, <laughs> which is probably less than half the listening audience. Actually, um, Inspector Gadget did it too, so those of us true, were a little yeah. younger. So I would whip out my shoe phone and, okay, never mind. Um, Charlie's Angels too. Yeah, Charlie. Oh, I had that hair. I had that hair in high school, honestly. Uh, <laughs> okay, so your, uh, your job, should you choose to accept it, uh, our dear listeners, is uh, got me... Uh, Got Me Live's new show, uh, Making Good Meat Back to Basics, is all about creating... you got to learn to spell, H.J. <laughs> Give the girl half a bottle of meat, she can't spell. There she goes. <laughs> she's typing stuff to me, she's like going, <laughs> Okay, whatever. <laughs> okay, um, anyway, so your job, our, our dear listeners, is to email us at gotbelive at gotme.com with questions you have about during the process. And we may not get to them in the very next show because we're going to try to do this in kind of a linear way. Um, obviously we'll try. There's, yeah, there's going to be sidebars and, and we'll be going off into the woods every now and then. But um, Yeah, we'll go off on tangents every show. I'm pretty oh much God. guaranteeing yeah, that. Yeah, because you guys have heard how we do things around here. So, But the thing is, though, is that what we want to do is create something not just for beginners, you know, you guys that are out there going, oh, my God, great, we're going to get a step-by-step. Yes, you are. But for those of you that have been doing this for a while, you don't know everything. I don't know everything. AJ doesn't know everything. Even Oscar and Ken Schramm, ask him, don't know everything. There are things you haven't learned or things you learned wrong. I know I find out things I learn wrong every single day in my life as well as in mead making. So, And I just have plain old bad habits. Exactly. We gotta, we've got to retrain AJ completely. She's just, you know. <laughs> so, but, At least I know I have bad habits. Yeah, see, I have Pete. I just call him up and go, Pete, I was going to do this, and what should I do? You know, I'm not stupid. And he whacks you with a rolled-up newspaper and carries yeah, on. he does. Yeah, he whacks me with a rolled-up newspaper, <laughs> tells me what to do, and then yells at me when I don't follow directions. <laughs> so, um, you know, because I don't. I'll be like, well, I did this. And he's like, that's not what I told you to do. So anyway, guys, send us your questions. Got me live at gotme.com. And what we're going to do is we're going to collect all of that and use that to help create this whole process of let's create great mead making habits that will help you create great mead. Okay. 
Um, and the idea being that uh, we're going to try to help people not just create those good habits, but to learn new things that might help you make better mead next time. So, you know, who knows? And uh, if those of you out there listening want to join in the conversation, we are here. Um, and you are welcome to join in the conversation at any time. Always watch the show page. Uh, we got new stuff, cool stuff coming up. And we always take callers. You just have to call in and join in. And, you know, there's, I, you know, I never know who's got something cool to offer. You guys are out there, so I can't know. Not psychic, so, you know, <laughs> give us a holler. Um, I got, I got uh, Luis is sending me some good stuff, sending pictures of his mead. Cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll have to forward this to you guys. Um, and uh, so um, that being the case, I think it's time we kind of wind things up, uh, you know, and uh, say good night until next week. Are you guys going to come back next week? Oh yeah, absolutely! Yay! Cool, cool. We have a team. Awesome. <laughs> Great. I'm looking. I'm looking forward to the next few weeks getting yeah, this done. Yeah, we're gonna have mm. fun. And we've got. I think we've got three more shows before we come up on a break, and then I take a couple. And we take a couple of weeks off to kind of regroup and um, find the people for the next eight shows. So <laughs> gives us time to write. You know, we can only. We all have real jobs, so we can only write so fast. Um, I'm so glad I only have half a real job. I uh, know. Yeah, I've got well, I've got like two real jobs plus a couple of foundations that I work on. So it's like, oh, well, my okay, God. I got three more part-time jobs on top of the there half a job. There you go. But, you know. Yeah. So um, one, uh, I've got a couple of call-outs here. And uh, one final uh, PSA, if you will. Did you guys know that, uh, and this is to those out there. I know you guys already know this. In addition to running Got Meat, I'm actually a marketing specialist. So uh, my company is Craft Beverage Marketing. And I specialize in working with craft beverage companies like mead makers, cider people, beer makers, wine makers, and uh, spirit creators to find the best and most profitable ways to reach their customers and turn them into raving fans who are going to buy your stuff as fast as you can make them. <laughs> so um, that's my job. That's what I do in my real life when I'm not running up mead. So um, I can help you guys, you know, if you're, if you're wanting to be a professional craft beverage person. Um, regardless of what kind, or if you're already one, I can help you create and execute the plan to make that happen. So, you know, if that sounds like something you might want to check out, go to craftbevmarketing.com. That's craftbev, not beverage, craftbevmarketing.com. And grab a free session with me and let's have, let's have a conversation. Let's talk. Um, I'm pretty sure I can give you some good ideas right out of the gate that will help you sell more of your stuff. So give me a holler. And uh, my phone is 919-554-4625 if you just want to call me directly to set something up. Uh, I'd love to hear from you. I, you know, I want to do this. So that's that's my little PSA. And hey, you know, <laughs> it's my show. <laughs> I get to do that, right? Um, up, yeah, right. It's good to be. It's good to be got mean sometimes. It's um, good to be clean. It is, yeah. Um, upcoming events. We have Mead Free or Die is April 30th, end of the month. So this is one of the biggest mead competitions in the country. It's like literally right behind the Maser Cup for size, and it gets bigger every year. So uh, it's a great competition, both home and professional meads. Uh, I'm sure that I think they're probably may still be looking for stewards and judges. So if you 
like the idea of sturdying and judging, give them, uh, you know, uh, touch base with them and see. Uh, entries, you'll have to check. I'm not sure the exact dates. So check them out at meadfreeordie.com. That's meadfreeordie.com. It's in uh, New Hampshire, so, you know, the whole state, love, um, state motto. Um, and then there's a tasting coming up this weekend. Want to taste some great meads. The Nano Beer Fest. Nano. I love this. Teeny tiny beer fest. Nano Beer Fest uh, is a tasting event for small local breweries, cideries, meaderies, and more. And it's on April 9th and 10th uh, this weekend at John's Marketplace in Multoma Village in Portland, Oregon. That's Multoma Village in Portland, Oregon. Uh, find them on Facebook at Nano Beer Fest. Uh, they're going to be pouring Happy Bear, a spiced apple session mead, and Happy Troll, a blackberry raspberry session mead. So, interesting stuff there. I wish I was going to be in Portland. It sounds like fun. Um, <laughs> and then next guest next week is uh, Robin Kosairos. And Robin, you can beat me up later if I just mangled your last name. I apologize. Uh, owner of Viking Alchemist, which is a North Georgia meadery. And, of course, the next installment of Making Good Mead. Back to basics with uh, AJ, Manny, and Ryan. So, uh, you know, we'll be having fun with that. So, that being said, uh, say goodnight, AJ. Goodnight. <laughs> you just cut right out in the middle of that. All right, say, <laughs> say goodnight, Manny. Goodnight, Manny. <laughs> say goodnight, Ryan. Ah, Manny stole my line. <laughs> <laughs> no, we all do that. It's okay. <laughs> Good night, everybody. Oh, no, he's breaking the mold, man. <laughs> Toothless bunny cuddles for everybody. Toothless bunny cuddles for everybody. Say goodnight, Bun Helsing. <laughs> I think he just did. <laughs> okay. He's quiet. Okay, cool. So, all right, y'all. We will see you next Tuesday, same bat time, same bat channel. And uh, have a good one. Drink more mead. Be happy. Night. <laughs>